from the After 12 Podcast Network. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 10. That's number 10 of The Great Cast. Just before we get started with our two brilliant guests today, I just want to point out something to you fuckers that have been listening. Uh, it shows that around two-thirds of you are using iPhones, but you're listening to me, and you're listening to my guests using Spotify. Now, that's great that you're still listening, but if you could jump onto Apple Podcasts and give me a little rate, review, subscribe, that would be even better. Just because uh, that's how the charts and everything gets affected on the Apple one, and Spotify doesn't really have that. Uh, again, though, coming up to episode 10, thanks a lot for everybody listening, and I appreciate it. It's great. We're doing brilliant work here. Now, enough of that nonsense. Today, we're going to introduce two of my guests here. It's Mr. Lewis Walker and Carolina... <sighs> I had your name written down. <laughs> oh, that's so bad. That's your best shot. It's Carolina Jarosinska. Very close. Very close. Damn it. Damn it. Very close. Anyway, um, Carolina Jarosinska. Yep. yep. Yeah, that's a good one. Lewis Walker. Both from elite strength training, both competitive powerlifters and coaches as well. And very lovely people. How are you guys doing today? Doing very well. And you? Yeah. Well, actually, I'm not too bad. How have you guys been finding this lockdown? My life isn't really that much different, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I never really leave the house much as it is anyway, because I'm like one of the biggest introverts in the world. So, I mean, yeah, it's not much different for me. That's really like one of the memes where like all the gamers were like, oh, you can't leave your home. And it's just yeah. like, ah, oh, nothing power. changed. What about you, Carolina? How you been feeling? Yeah, it changed a lot for me, actually, because I normally commute to Edinburgh every day to work. Mm -hmm. So not having that adds me about extra two hours per day, um, which has been brilliant because I can sleep in. I have more time to do everything. But at the same time, they're just sending me more work. So that's something great. Uh, But yeah, apart from that, it's been it's been okay. But I just kind of I was looking forward to like, you know, going out on like nice summer days. And now it's a bit... It's everything is a bit uncertain, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, apart from that, quite okay. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like it's not going to feel normal for a while. It's quite strange. But uh, to be fair, actually, I've been quite enjoying it. I've actually treated it like a wee holiday, and it's been great. <laughs> I was just looking at the cases today, and I think it looks like things might be starting to flatten out. So maybe we can get back to normalcy relatively soon. Yeah, the thing is, like, I don't really want to go back to the office, you know. I hope everyone <laughs> from, from my team is listening to that, but I'm quite enjoying working from home. Like, yeah, there's a lot of work, but I can split it up and no one is actually looking over my shoulders. <laughs> I can actually do it in peace. So oh, I'm, yeah, not really, I'm not really that keen to go back to the office. What do you work as, Carolina? Uh, I'm a marketer at Standard Life. And so I'm doing all the, well, I'm not personally doing all of them, but I'm involved <laughs> in like, all the websites for Standard Life and yeah, yeah all that stuff. Oh, brilliant. I can't imagine. I think yeah, one of the things that will change about the world is that, like a lot of big companies will realize, oh, we don't have to rent these massive spaces. We could really downsize and just get everybody to work from home as long as they had computers yeah. to work. 
the problem I think, I think the world needs a kind of kick in that direction because like workers are workers know that that's uh feasible but i think some companies are are still kind of stuck in the old ways yeah that was the problem of my company because i think our um kind of senior people are not really keen on people working from home and to be honest it wasn't that easy to get people on like kind of remote access because there are a lot of like access issues and people not being able to log into systems or systems being really slow but apart from that it's going pretty well and honestly if i have like one day per week then i can work from home i'm much more productive yeah, than if I just more sense. exactly so i think it's just good if maybe they realize that working from home um maybe not all the time but like once a week or like i don't know twice a week is a good opportunity for people to just get a bit more productive because when you're in the office a lot of people are just faffing about and that's oh, absolutely yeah so and when you're at home like you know just you and your screen and you have like x tasks to do then you just power through them and by lunchtime you're mostly done with that so it's good to have that so i i that really was, hope yeah. that it's a step in that direction yeah yeah, absolutely. I was the same when I was at uni. I had like I'd done my best work when I was by myself and had no one else to like, sort of distract me. Yeah. But we'll get into that at some other points in the episode. So obviously both you guys are competitive powerlifters. Uh and both these are coaches, if that's correct, working level two British powerlifting coaches, is that correct? Yeah, we both have level two BP qualification uh, for what that's worth. But... <laughs> Sounds like I've done my research, but it's on your Instagram page, the first thing you see. So <laughs> I'd just like to sort of get you started about talking. How did you each individually come into fitness and then lifting, or how did you sort of come into the sort of world of training? Louis, do you want to start? You go. Okay. You go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I first started doing any kind of resistance training when I was in high school. Um, you know, just kind of the, the usual kind of home workouts and that kind of stuff. I had like, you know, the shitty concrete weight sets with the one inch holes, you know, the, the York ones. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just doing what I could at home for the first couple of years there. Um, and then I discovered actual gyms when I went to uni in my first year, just trained for bodybuilding for about maybe six months or so, uh, which was, as everyone does. yeah, as everyone does, it's, it's, it's probably the most common route into the powerlifting sport back then. I was via bodybuilding and, or not necessarily bodybuilding, but just pursuit of physique goals. Um, yeah. And then Christmas or ish in my first year, uh, I discovered strength training, and that was twenty, yeah, twenty twelve. Uh, and since then, it's kind of yeah, it kind of caught the bug, and and just been training for powerlifting ever since. So nice. Oh, to you, Carolina, how did you sort of get started? Well, I think my route was a bit more convoluted. Um, so I got into so I was like a typical fat kid. Like all my high school, first year at uni, I was this like chubby girl. I was never athletic at like, you know, in school at sports. I was always the last one to be picked for a team, but I was always pretty strong. So um, I was never a sportsy person. Uh, but then in between, so I did, I went to uni for first year and then I transferred to another uni and did first year again. So in yeah. between these years, I got depression over the summer and anxiety. And yeah. sport was the thing that, it was not really sport. It was just like, you know, because I barely left home. So I was doing kind of at-home workouts. Like yeah. you know, kind of 
Insta influencers. Uh, but that's yeah. kind of got me going and got me out of depression. Like it didn't get me out of depression, but it made me feel a bit better. Um, and kind of helped me to get through the day and gave me some kind of purpose. But obviously with time, that was just not enough. So yeah. then I started running. I ran two half marathons, few 10Ks, and I was preparing myself to run a full marathon, and I pulled yeah. my own strength. So I couldn't Oof. run. And I decided to, how about I just start going to the gym in the meantime to strengthen some of these muscles. And yeah. It went kind of the same way, like, you know, just kind of doing um, exercises with just dumbbells and like kind of fixed barbells and body weight movements was not enough. So when I was in Portugal, I went to CrossFit box. I did CrossFit for a little bit. And my coach back then, Gonzalo Westwood, he's a former I think, Portuguese national champion in weightlifting. Yeah. He being like, you are strong, you're going to do weightlifting. So I was doing, I was trying to do weightlifting for probably like six months. It was kind yeah. of weightlifting. I was still doing a little bit of CrossFit, but like my focus was on weightlifting. And I wasn't bad. I just didn't have patience for it. I was yes. just, so, I was, yeah. <laughs> it's like I look at it and I'm such a, a sort of more precise skill. Yeah, so I am, I'm very... Like I have like, you know, thousand ideas per minute and I like the intensity. So mm. I don't think weightlifting was quite for me. I think the moment of realization was when I spent like literally entire summer to put one kilo on my snatch. I was like, I don't want to do it anymore. And then <laughs> I found powerlifting club. And since then that was back in 2016. And apart from like what an eight month break when I was injured again, um, that was just, yeah, that was just powerlifting for me. Beautiful. Powerlifting's way cooler anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I could never, I could never spend six months. To, I mean, I say I could never spend six months to put one kilo in a lift, but then, I mean, this last 12 months has not been the most productive for me either. So, but at the same time, doing like, you know, getting a barbell from the ground over your head, it's pretty badass. And you can't cool. that. Yeah. <laughs> I like dabbling in clean and jerks every now and then when I'm on a, a deal a week. You look like a donkey doing that. Like a what? <laughs> like a donkey. A, a zonkey. A donkey. A donkey. A mule. A mule. I thought you said I look like a junkie, and I was like, "What?" I look like a junkie. Just getting that clean no. hair that was jerks. <laughs> That's beautiful. So, you both run elite strength trainers, is that correct? Yeah. Yep. That's correct. Perfect. So, how did that come together? Um. So I think, I think most people, if they've been training for long enough and, and they get reasonably strong at some point, someone will approach you and ask you, hey, can you coach me? Um, and that happened yeah, to me. That, the opposite <laughs> way, because I'm still not strong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, what are your lifts? I don't actually know. Mm, I've never actually competed. You should. I will. I, I was, I was going to compete later this year. Uh, but. <laughs> but obviously, <laughs> so Corona kind of put that in the flu. But um, yeah, continue there, Lewis. Yeah, so, um, and, and that happened to me. So eventually, just people started asking me, and I was like, well, I don't really know what I'm doing. Because I mean, like, I'd, I'd, the first person I informally coached, apart from myself, was Carolina. But I'd never, like, done it professionally and, like, taken money for it. So, like, I dabbled before. But then at some point, like, 
people started asking and i was like okay i might as well just just try it why not what's gonna happen so yeah, yeah just started taking people on and, and things just kind of grew organically from there so um we never i never kind of pushed very hard on expanding the business from like a marketing perspective or anything like i tried to make everything quite organic and just focus on giving as good a as good a service as i could and then the people that i was coaching would be happy and tell others others and and bring more people in which has fortunately been the case i was able to to build the business that way so i think i deserve some merit there because i was the person that kind of pushed yes. <laughs> to to be like you should coach people um yeah. and i've been saying that for probably over a year before he actually started coaching people yeah, you're the one that convinced me to start putting like dm for coaching in bio on yeah. my instagram post <laughs> and then um when did you when did you st start taking people on under esd carolina um my first client was uh beginning of last year actually end of last year like one of nice. our common friends just had some deadlift backgrounding issues and that was the time when i kind of just completed that journey um to transfer from kind of very rounded back deadlift meaning you look like a shitting dog deadlift to pretty <laughs> deadlift. Um, and we were just chatting and she was like oh do you just want to maybe help me out and like put something together for me so i put like a kind of deadlift focus program for her and um, from then to be honest she was just quite happy and she's still with me and that's over she's my longest client it's been a year so i'm not coaching as many people as lewis is so i only coach about five people but yeah, yeah, yeah. that was probably my first client so around january last year I take a lot more people on because I don't have a full-time job. Well, I have a, a pretend full-time job. I'm also doing a PhD, but the, the hours are so flexible that I, I can still coach essentially full-time. <laughs> ah, yeah. That's pretty cool. That's what's your PhD in, Lutz? I think fitness really is. Aerospace engineering. Still very interesting, though. <laughs> yeah. I just submitted my first journal paper last night, which was a journey let's say it took a long time <laughs> and a lot of stress oh that does not sound fun at all like i done i was i when i was at uni i was thinking about going in to do a phd but then um i got to like i noticed the difference between me and my lecturers where like they would speak about a research thing or they would speak about something and they were super passionate about it and i'd be like i need to read this fucking like 50 articles and i really couldn't be asked so I was yeah. like, maybe I shouldn't pursue this because I'm not going to be happy if I do. I so that's that when depends. I just dropped out honours level. Yeah, I think yeah. That, depends. that depends on the topic, though, because, like, see, I have masters um, in marketing, yeah. but I do, for pleasure, read fitness and health and, like, strength training-related research. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, same with that. My, um, my honours degree was in sports science, but, again... Um, I had to pick something to write about. I had to write about um, the horizontal force vector theory when it pertained to five meter spin distance. And I'm like, I'm not interested in any of this. <laughs> yeah. It's like, how, how make weight go heavier? How make man strong? Like, yeah. That's all I wanted to write or do about, but, um, but to make it a bit more. Uh, when you go into like um, sports science, when it comes to universities, they fucking love it when you write about sports. But like like field hockey or like handball, they love it when you come up with these like weirder or like not so popular sports. Right, they probably so wouldn't look on powerlifting so kindly, would they? They don't. Uh, I remember <laughs> a couple of guys were trying to do uh, 
their dissertations or something to do with powerlifting and they were not interested in the slightest. Unless so you go study in New Zealand and your supervisor is Eric Helms. <laughs> True. Uh, no, yeah. I, I was insane. I remember um, they tried to, somebody they tried to like talk them out of doing it as well, which is pretty mad. And I think one of them, as long, like anything to do with high intensity training or high intensity training or any like random sports, they fucking love that shit. Uh, anything else, they're like, oh, she's she, not going to do too much to the field, blah, blah, blah. But too much red ribbons for me. Uh, red tape, sorry, not red ribbons. I don't know where that <laughs> reference came from. Sorry. Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe now that they're starting to have money competitions in the IPF, then they'll, they'll start to be more interested in powerlifting-based research. So, And that's something I'm very interested in. That's something that will take the sport to a new level, I think. Yeah, for sure. Oh. Yeah, time work. I remember speaking to Mark Keyes about this as well in the episode six. Uh, available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, <laughs> is uh, we're talking like uh, professional powerlifting can actually be a thing in our lifetime, which is pretty surreal. What was the distribution of of the prize money in the, or what was it going to be? Uh, I have no idea. I just knew it was a two fifty pool, wasn't it? Yeah, Something like that. Thirty k, thirty k, I think. Thirty k for a medal or what? Uh, I think that was thirty k in total. That was the pool to distribute between. Oh, no, 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 it was way more than that. It was 250,000. Oh, okay. Yeah. For the SPD, I'm pretty sure it was 250,000. And I think if you broke a record, you would get money. And if you play, something to be placing as well, you would get money. Yeah. But for every world record broke, I think you got money. Better than the Arnold's where you get like 100 quid if you win. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute madness. We'll cover like part of the flight cost and no more. Mm. Ridiculous, and then uh, how much do the strong men get? Like uh, ten grand or something if they win? God, I don't even know. <laughs> so, uh, th- something like that, I think, um, or is it fifty? No, well, strongest man's fifty, or uh, one of them's fifty. They pay their strong man more, which, eh, can you see why it's a bit more of an entertaining sport for the casuals? They only get fifty grand if you win world's strongest man. I think it was that. I think that's what um, it was. Rob Kearney said that on the Joe Rogan podcast. I think it was only. 50 grand or something and Joe Rogan was like oh if you're the strongest man in the world surely you should get at least a million like for what it's well, maybe not a million but I thought it'd be more than 50k Jesus yeah it's 50k like, considering like flight times and how much those big bastards eat as well it's <laughs> mad then to get into that sport I believe yeah I think crossfitters so like the fittest man or woman on earth they get around um, $200 uh, 200,000 dollars I heard there was um, one of the CrossFit games a couple of years ago, like 2016 or something, they were giving out guns as yeah. like prizes. Yeah. yeah, that was a massive, that, that was a massive controversy because that was that time when I was kind of still in CrossFit kind of community. So that was a massive issue. That's Morica for you. Yep. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. So you guys, if you are, obviously you are together as a relationship band, running this sort of company, how does that uh, work? Is it quite easy to run something similarly as a companionship as well? Uh, yeah, I guess. Like, we, we obviously consult each other whenever, we, whenever we're, whenever um, we you know, having trouble with writing a program for a client or trying to fix some issue that someone's having. Like, if we're out of ideas, we always kind of use the mini coaching hive mind of the two of us. Um, and Carolina handles the social media strategy. And uh, Lewis is very stubborn. Um, <laughs> listen. <laughs> But I think like the more the more we talk about it is I think it's easier because we're both passionate about it, you know. 
So yeah. it's the common passion of ours and the common project that we have. Um, so it's much easier to reach any type of agreement or consensus or like even disagreement, just like, you know, like last, when was that? Like a few days ago, we disagreed about the title for one of the posts, but we managed to sort something out together um, to just kind of find a happy middle. But it's just because something that we both really, really care about. So yeah, I don't, you, want, you would want yeah. somebody who you see on your level to challenge you as well. Exactly. So I think that's good because like, Lewis and me, I think we coach very different types of people and the different experiences that we have with our clients kind of uh, complement each other. So mm -hmm. I know some stuff that Lewis doesn't know and he knows something that I may not know and that long term just kind of as a collective, as a business, enriches like what we can provide to people and what yes, absolutely. coaches we can learn. Because... Um, Obviously, through my experience with an athlete, Lewis also kind of gets some of it because he knows, like, because I will ask him, like, oh, what do you think about that program? What do you think about that person? And then, oh, what's the context? So we talked about it. So, yeah, I think just because we both care about it so much, it's much easier and it's not actually, it doesn't really feel like something that we need to do and doesn't really feel like, I don't actually, we, we argued at any time over uh, something business related or something. Like the closest it comes to that is like the Instagram post because I don't like some of the graphics. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think it's just because like you have, it's not argument, just more like I don't like this, but then I'll give you arguments why we should do it and we find somewhere in the middle where we should do it. So. Some compromise. Yeah, exactly. I won the compromise last time. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. No, but that's good to see. and it's, it's good to actually see that there's a bit more of a diversity within the actual coaches group, which is cool. Because normally, they're very much like how I run it in that as well. Like, it's just myself. So I think it's, it's good cool. to... Sorry, on you go. No, it's just pretty cool to see a different dynamic. It's good to have someone else involved in the process, like even not involved, but just kind of they're doing it with you. Because like we do, we coach using like the same framework and stuff, and and like the basics are, are the structure of how we construct training and and deal with problems and stuff is is similar. But if it was just me, I think I'd probably be more likely to kind of get stuck in a rut with some things. Whereas having Carolina there to kind of inject some new thoughts every now and then is is useful and just keeps me on my toes and keeps me thinking of new ideas. Yeah, and I think it kind of works both ways because Lewis was is a person that kind of motivates me to, um, you know, to re read more, to watch more, to just educate myself more. Because like, I'm not gonna lie, it's hard. Like working nine to five, or actually for me six to six, training and having two dogs and still trying to run a business and then trying to keep on top of things like sometimes you just don't want to sometimes you yeah just want i don't to know how on. i don't know how guys like yourself <laughs> uh work full-time jobs and still find time to coach and learn as well like it's some definitely an astounding uh, attribute that you guys have because i couldn't do it um, yeah. It's because I don't have a enough. social life. So. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> but I made like I made my own gym, so like that's my social life now. Yeah, that's the goals, man. Yeah. 
I think for me, it's just like because I love it, so I don't mind spending time, but it's about finding the right balance for yeah, so I don't burn out just so I like you know, I'm not like every day learning something and then it comes to the weekend and I'm just like I don't want to see anything powerlifting or strength training related for the next week it's about finding the right balance but I think just having Lewis out there so even if I don't read anything or like educate myself on anything relating to coaching and powerlifting Lewis is there and he will come with some idea or some discussion and Mm -hmm. that that kind of yeah that always keeps me on top of things so I think it's just kind of again mutual benefit that we have and that I may just provide some kind of fresh ideas for Lewis but at the same time he he's motivating me to do more um and yeah so I think that kind of works well that's brilliant to hear it's, it's very especially important to avoid burnout so I was actually sort of suffering from a little bit of burnout a couple of months ago and it's not pleasant at all because nope. I was pretty much run ragged for about a year and a half where I didn't have uh, any time off or I was just at the gym or I was coaching, programming, pod- well, podcasting. Like, I all love it all. Like, it sounds like I'm complaining about, like, a labour a lot. <laughs> but um, at the end of the day, as a job, when it comes down to it, even if you love it. And it got to the point where I was just, like, every every time somebody spoke to me, I just wanted to snap their neck. Like, yeah. that's, how burnt out, that's how I get when I burnt out because I'm very, very chill, but I can get very irritable if... I've been worked down to the ground sort and I remember um, there was one point where one of my young clients, George, like asked me like five questions in the span of five minutes and I was like, Shut up <laughs> Shut up Stop talking to me just shut up and I was Chop like, and do your next set. I was like, just come with it. He was like he's he's a fucking brilliant young kid, but he's just like asked like tons of questions that are like, How long is a piece of string? And I have to explain to him, like, there's many answers to this and there's many different waypoints. I don't want to go into everything about it, but that's kind of like a loaded question. But that's when um, definitely try to avoid burnout is a massive thing. Yeah. How did you deal with that? Uh, I just come out with it. I think I took like a four days off where I'd done nothing. Uh, as long as I have time to recharge, and I'm fine. And that's why this lockdown is actually serving me tons of favours. Because I've done two weeks of nothing but a wee bit of training, going for walks with my dog, uh, spending time with my girlfriend, and playing Doom Eternal. And that's pretty much been bliss for the last two weeks. Yeah, that's an important thing, I think. Like, I, I make I make sure to have like a dedicated time in the day when I just piss about for a bit. Yeah. Definitely helps with, with burnout and having too much to do. So. Oh, absolutely. Definitely from top of that. But... Luckily, I've actually came out of it feeling quite good. So, so, so we're coming into obviously we're on lockdown. Uh, the current COVID nineteen pandemic has forced us to stay indoors. How are you guys coping with the coronavirus effect? I kind of hope it blows over soon. I mean, like it's not really that much different for me. If anything, I'm working more on my PhD than I used to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm just, I'm just kind of hoping it blows over so I can get back to coaching people properly because like right now there's not much you can do as a coach. I'm sure you know that. Um, yeah. It's because uh, I, I I don't know for myself and maybe you guys as well, like kind of pigeonholed as strength coaches. Um, it's kind of like a hole that I wanted to be put in because it's the only thing I really find interesting when it comes to training. So when it gets to the point where like everybody has to have home workouts and I'm like, oh, great. Like I've spent so much time focused on this, 
they have to diversify into that, which is still quite cool to learn a bit more and to be on your toes, uh, especially when working with minimalist equipment. But it's just a bit boring, eh? Yeah. Like you don't feel like you're providing that much value in, in yeah. telling them a structured way to do different kinds of push-ups. <laughs> yeah. Just like, have you got any weights there? Like, yes. I'm like, oh, how many different variations of floor press can you do with these dumbbells? <laughs> yeah. I think it keeps you creative. So, Louis, you were talking about that, like, the first time it happened, that, like, the good thing about this is that it kind of keeps you creative. But, yeah, it's definitely you feel like you are not providing the value that you would like to provide them with, but there Absolutely. are, there are, there are silver lining coming from that. So yeah, like there are, there are a lot of exercises that I just forgot existed and have revived in my own mind now because we just had no choice. Yeah. That's one of the best things when you like, when you come down to an exercise has not been in your rotation for a long while. You're like, Oh yeah. This. <laughs> Like, I remember um, I hadn't done a seated shoulder press with dumbbells in about a year. And I remember I'd done it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. I've done this in, like, three fun. years. Jeez. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I normally just, like, do standing ones because they're nice and good for that. Good old, normally good give old a lot of Bulgarian split squats because I just think they're a great exercise, but now I've probably given the most fucking Bulgarian split squats like <laughs> in the, that I have in the last three years in the last month. <laughs> oh, yeah, Definitely, especially with people working with limited equipment, bogging and split squats going to be one of the best to be yeah. thrown out. I just got someone doing like twenties with Bulgarians because they don't have any weight. I feel sorry for the guy. <laughs> but that's, so obviously, since we're talking about the the Corona effect and lockdown, um, uh, we were originally supposed to record this on the fourth of April at the University Championships, but because of that, it had been cancelled. Just four days, actually. It's not too bad. Only, only four days late. Not too bad at all. I always yeah, um, I was actually really looking forward to it. Me and Stephen, who are going to be trying to set up a streaming thing for it. You guys were in the group chat. So uh, that was actually going to be quite fun, trying to see that out and try, and try and get it out for people. And I was going to try and badger people to come on my podcast as well. It was the biggest and best comp of the year. Really? It's huge. Were you not there in previous years? No, I've actually not been to many. I've not been to the unis, uh, but I've been told that everybody gets super hyped for it and they go fucking yeah. mental. It's, it's fucking massive, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, all, it's always a two-day comp these days. Um, tons Absolutely, of hype. Yeah. So many people. But yeah, it's a good day. Tiring, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were supposed to have how many? Like 12, 15 people? Uh, 14, 15, I think. Yeah. Oof. The interesting thing about unions, though, is um, get into this a bit, maybe too much of competitive mindset, just get a bit. Um, you could uh, maybe do to a sort of like a like sort of tribal thing, obviously with different universities. Also, like they are quite young, and a lot of people. I mean, I I still think I'm pretty stupid, but like when I was in my late teens to late twenties, I was fucking stupid. So most of them are idiots. <laughs> Probably, dumb dumb liquids. But uh, I wouldn't say that it's common to to have like I don't know bad sportsmanship at unis. Mm-hmm. But you, you see, occasionally over the years, you'll see one or two people like you, you know the occasional boo going on, kind of things like that. But that you don't oh, see really? it. Yeah, the, the, I think well, that, like, that maybe once or twice I've seen that in, in a unis comp. Yeah. I think that was my point. That like that's a thing that doesn't really happen 
in any other comp, but that does happen, although not much, it does happen like at unis infrequently, uh, but it doesn't happen in any other comp. Yeah, ah, interesting. See, normally I'm quite like that. I see if somebody's going up one against my lifters and if they get their attempt, like, that'll beat my lifter, I don't clap for them. I'm just sitting there like, <laughs> to try and get their attention. I'll maybe shout at them. I'll don't, I won't shout at them, but uh, I'm just like, nah, just don't beat my lifter, please. Like, let them beat you. Um, <laughs> I remember it was like, uh, um, the old Scottish, uh, the last one, 2019, Sanya won. It was uh, like everybody, like Val Dooley, everybody was behind our brilliant uh, M2, M3 lifter. Really nice women anyway. And uh, go for like a hundred odd kilo squat and I'm just sitting there like, I couldn't give a fuck if you get this. Really, hopefully you don't. But I, don't, oh, I mean, you, I think you're, you're, you're there to take care of your own lifter. So, I mean, they come yeah. first. It doesn't matter who else is lifting that day. Exactly. It's all about that. It's all about the game and how you play it. But uh, again, um, it is quite interesting to see. Maybe it is to do with the sort of younger mindset and maybe to do with the tribalism within being a uni. you got to in think that f- a lot of... In, in my first uni's comp, which was 2014, I think, there was there was more of it, certainly, back then. There was more of that kind of atmosphere of, like, you know... Um, this is back when they were, they were still doing the comps in Dundee. Oh, fuck, what was that place called? Uh, I can't remember what it was called, but they used to do them out in Dundee my first couple of years. Um and there would be more of an attitude of like you know all the all the different teams would would their, they would sit in their own wee corner of of this massive sports hall and not talk to anyone else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, they're just kind of like you know residual stuff from because I don't think there was any bad incident last year to be honest. Maybe that was just kind of you know residual stuff from like 2014 2015 that just carried over because last year like there were, I don't. Think anything any bad incident or anything i actually i think don't think so i think it was a good comp last year last year was pretty good so what bad things would normally happen i think it just kind of there was some booing a few years ago maybe 2017 unis maybe 2016 i don't think i can be there was some booing sometimes and some people like not wanting to share racks and just kind of oh i hear that shit yeah yeah kind of like really basic stuff but just don't do it yeah, there's no right in not sharing racks with people. It's a nightmare. I don't think I've actually came across that just yet, but if it did, the person would be getting an absolute earful for me. But when it comes to competing, like it's strange because in other sports shows, you kind of accept that, where there will be a bit of tussle and a who and ha and a boo and a hon, but I suppose powerlifting is a little bit different. So everybody's... Well, if you're into it and you're going to the other competitions in Scotland or... Uh, further national competitions like the British, um, you probably will have that camaraderie where you're trying to get everybody to complete the lifts and you just want to see the most lifted rather than rooting for a team. Except the home nations because fuck England, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the home nations, everyone was pretty friendly last year, so... Home nations have been great. Um, Yeah. Just for, like, the atmosphere was nice and... I don't know. It's just probably also like you know there was there was no way like no weigh-ins as in there was a weigh-in but there were no weight classes. But yeah, like the support, even though like it was home nations, so there were actually teams. Yeah, it was, it was great atmosphere, honestly. But it's almost it's almost like it was described to me as like the British power left the night out. <laughs> yeah, that's essentially what it is. That sounds great. Like because uh, all the time, like home nations sounds like a laugh, but. I remember when Will Brown 
from ATS. Uh, that's episode four, available anywhere you listen to the podcast. Is um, like we're talking about commies and like just saying how like a fun time it sounds. And I was like, this sounds like a good idea. The home nations, or uh, home nations, or and Commonwealth as well. Yeah. Anything. I've never like been that, to Commonwealth. For... I can never afford the flights. <laughs> Well, I think um, Amy, Amy Joe went, like, she she went last year, didn't she? But she was there already, so that was convenient for her, because yeah. she was in her year abroad. But I think I was just, like, she was also saying that it was very nice, and um, to be honest, like, most comps are nice, and just powerlifting community is just fantastic, I think, so. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I've been, I've had great experiences the whole time. Um, I've only had one, like, for last, at Easterns, there's, like, a couple of guys that get a bit too passionate and a bit too shouty in that when they've got their lifter on there. And I remember once, uh, I, I spoke about it before, but and if it's the great cast drinking game, if I mention Sanya, people have got to take a drink. So, <laughs> um, like Sanya got her name called and she went up to the bench and I was like, there's only like 30 kilos on it. And I'm like, that's not for Sanya. So there's something wrong with the software, they click it and the name skips. So I was like, right, come back. And we Felix was like, I had already called Sanya back, and he was like, "Oh, it's not you." It's that. and I was like, "Mate, like, chill out, like, calm down. You get your turn. It's fine." That's only it. And then some boy, I can't remember. Everything's normally pretty good in those things. It normally well run. I think we run things better up here in NSP than we do down at BP. Unpopular opinion. Oh, the cops <laughs> are run fantastic. I remember um, my girlfriend Lucy competed at Eastern as well, and our our parents were there. And like, the first thing he said was, "Jesus, that ran quick." Because if you're looking from an outside in. And you don't really have much knowledge about that. People are shifting this weight, like minute time slots. It's really, really well run. Yeah. The reason I say that was because of the, the British Junior Champs last year. It was an absolute shit show because um, basically what happened was in between every single group in an SP comp or any other comp, even a, even a normal PP comp, you'd normally get like, you know, 15 minutes break at least, maybe half an hour break. But yeah. it ended up working out that. Um, I think they'd removed one uh, one group uh, in the in the running order for some reason because they had some dropouts or something. But it basically worked out that um, my lifters, when they came off of their squat, they would have yeah. literally fifteen ish minutes to change all their kit, go and get some food, a drink, warm up, and then they're on the platform for the first bench. Same shit for deadlift. And the girls just managed to survive that. But I had a one hundred five kilo uh, boy. In the in the main, in the men's day, and he had to basically warm up to a three hundred ish kilo deadlift in the space of fifteen minutes, and it did not go well. Jesus, yeah, that's not good. That doesn't sound well at all. <laughs> I didn't think I could put three hundred kilos of plates on a bar within fifteen minutes. <laughs> and then if you compare that to unis last year, when I think actually someone, I think that was probably Solsby or Will, run how much does it take spotters and loaders to change the plates? <laughs> I think it was it was literally like 10 seconds to change plates. The turnout was amazing. There was like, what, 300 lifters over two days? And we still finish on time, both days. Jesus, that's mad. Yeah. Well, last year was brilliant honestly in terms of how they organized it and no, i was actually yeah. glad that it never went ahead this year well or getting postponed to like five years in the future hopefully it does still go ahead oh, hopefully it does i want to get in there i want to kick sam edgar in the chin if she goes for that 200 deadlift <laughs> what weight class is that man what was that Lisa? 
Yeah, are you coaching Sam? No, 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 no. Uh, oh. I don't know who she's coached by. But no, uh, in the group chat, like she just like she tried to take the piss with me, and I was like, Sam, if you try and pull that to hundred, I'm going to switch and music you. And I just constantly keep putting like Sean Michaels gifts into the chat. Oh yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you'll be getting fucking chinned if you try to go that. Like, you look like you're just about to lock it out, and I'm going to tune up the band and I'm going to crack that switch and music right off. <laughs> so it always happens to me on my third deadlift like the music always cuts out like when I'm about to go for a deadlift it's the worst thing in the world <laughs> <laughs> oh I didn't get to start with the music as well I've already spoke about that in several episodes I have uh, pretty good music when, I'm, when I've been competing before but occasionally you get, get tunes especially when it's bench I said it to, it's always fucking get down with the sickness that comes on when Aaron's deadlifting like without fail that song will come on and I'm always like Oh, it just reminds me, like, the end of the day where I'm like, can we just lift these weights and go home, please? Worst songs to deadlift it. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, we're talking about competing. We mentioned British there as well. Both of you guys were in British previously. Uh, yeah, I've done I've done a British junior and open, one of each. And Caroline, yeah, I just did so we're talking the about. I, yeah, so... I didn't actually do it because I bombed. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to that. So I remember being in the chat when it happened. Uh, we're part of the group chat. And obviously, how did that go down? So a lot of people, if you're first time listening to this, uh, the British sort of powerlifting event is the national event. The Scottish one's kind of like a small event compared to the British one. The British one's massive. So can you just talk through your experience and how you felt there, Carolina? Uh, to be honest, like that calm just wasn't with me for a long time. So we talked about burnout, and um, I do have slight burnout in terms of powerlifting. So that lockdown serves me well because I can mm-hmm. just stay away from the gym. But like, I just didn't want to do that calm to be honest, because the prep was so stressful. Not in terms of lifting; lifting was going fine. Uh, mm-hmm. It was everything outside of lifting that was just not kind of going in my favor. Um, uh, several factors, yeah. Exactly, and I got to the point when. I was when I was to think about like you know squatting or pulling something heavy I was just like I don't want to do this you know yeah. um, so I just like my heart was not with that competition definitely not so uh, squats went okay like 145 is matching my best um 150 I just kind of tipped over like the atmosphere was fine um mm-hmm on the bench like the bench was so speedy the opener was so speedy like you probably even remember the chat i think someone said yeah. like yeah, that was super easy opener i got shocked that i got red lighted because i didn't know that that happened like i didn't like that was apparently because my bum came off the bench i'm not going to argue with this because that definitely happened because it was from both sides it's just yeah. I was shocked because i normally feel when that happens and that can not really tell yeah what yeah, we think so happened was I, it was when she braced before doing the rep. So it was like, you know, when, when you clenched uh, out and then it just yeah. pops off for a second and then the actual rep was fine, but it was that bit beforehand. It's just that yeah, part, yeah. I think after that, it just got to my head so much. Like we went up because 80 was just a joke. So it went up to 82 and I've been hitting over 80 and like 82 consistently in training for weeks. Uh, so I was just like, I'm going to go 82 and I'm going to get it. And I didn't get it. And at that point, I just gave up, like literally. Um, on second attempt as well, I got held by the ref too long because I think my finger was not on the ring. Um, so it was just, yeah, it was just, I messed up. 
Um, and I'm definitely working on trying to keep my bum on the bench a bit more and just trying to keep things a bit consistent. But um, yeah, like I think for me, it was more than anything mentally. I just, I was just defeated. So um, I just wasn't, I just didn't believe that I can probably get that third attempt because the strength was there. I just, in my head, I just couldn't make myself do that. Yeah, especially as you said, the first uh, year opener did actually fly up. Yeah. And just narrowly missing out the 2.5 with some slight technical issues with the calls. But yeah, I could, um, the good thing is you're coming out and you're actually sounding a bit more positive about it now than you were uh, all the time when it happened. And it's great to actually come from those things and learn. Because yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, it's you're just moving weight. Obviously, you want to be yourself, but you want to be the best of yourself, and probably could have done a better performance if everything wasn't so stressful. Because I think um, people sort of underestimate how much external factors can hamper our life. Because I remember going through one stage in life. This must have been about four years ago, where financial stress was like a big, big thing for me, and that absolutely ruined any any enjoyment of anything else yeah I think for me I just had health problems like mm-hmm. during prep that was three weeks I was sick three times twice something Jesus. like that and then a week it was not even a week out or maybe it was a week out I had insomnia and I couldn't sleep for like two nights and just for no reason my body just decided like oh you don't need sleep why would you sleep you know um so yeah and I was sick like three times um so it was just it was just like you know I'm not a sickly person and then in that kind of three weeks I was sick three times just like what else I was literally <laughs> joking that if I can make it to Brits without breaking my leg or something that's a win um so yeah it's just a learning you know it's just a learning curve it's part of yeah. the process um we are saying in Poland, you know, that a student without getting a C is not a student. So a powerlifter without bombing is not really a powerlifter. Of course, I'm joking, but um, I think it's just an ex- <laughs> it's just another experience, and um, every like you can just learn from it. There's no point me um, just being upset. Of course, I can be upset about it, and I was upset about it. But like long term, there's no point being upset about it, and just tearing like you know um my just tearing it apart and thinking about it just it happened take a lesson and learn from that lesson and move forward exactly if you're gonna parallel for long enough you're gonna bomb eventually i've bombed so exactly ray williams can bomb anybody can bomb exactly i mean uh, it's a two test it's a true test of metal uh failing or something or not necessarily failing because Sport itself, you're not necessarily going and competing against one another as in like a fight or a game of football or something. So actually, like a true test of metal, either bombing or nearly bombing or not putting out what you feel like you could have been the best performance and then coming back is a true test, is a truer test of metal and sort of sports psych than if you just smash out PBs like every time as well. I think I haven't had a comp of my lifetime yet because I always um, either massively underperform or something happens. Or like classic 2018, I got stomach bug on a day and I spent most of the day in my toilet, in the toilet. I saw toilet more than I saw the platform. 
That was a fun day. Like, you feel a bit clouded, but a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want like, to over... Like, 
I've had it with a couple of my clients and it's never been normally to do with heavy lifting, but it's always like they've never been in training before and they always throw the term, oh, I think I'm overtraining and I have to try and stop myself from laughing. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's you're not going to actually overtrain in the, the, the true definition of the word. Uh, yeah. Unless you're just really good at ignoring all of your body signals. But then there are yeah. two kind of caveats to that. So I think there's um, a good description of the different types of fatigue is like what Mike T is actually using. So the center of fatigue was kind of what you're describing, Chris, just a bit of like a brain fog, feeling a bit yeah. like... So I don't think that's only attributed to heavy lifting. It's like, you know, your only your PBs, only like your grinders. It could be just like sometimes you just feel a bit more central fatigue and it's central because it's more centralized it's just more kind of you feel a brain fog you're a bit more hungry versus yeah it's the more typical signs of exactly. actual fatigue rather than the peripheral sort of exactly peripheral or metabolic fatigue which is more yeah. to do with just i have sore muscles i have doms um so these are very different and in terms of overtraining like yeah in this classic sense you're not going to overtrain but you may be training more than what you are capable to recover from and still make progress. So maybe if you cut down a set or two, you can actually make better progress. So that's something that I think me and Lewis start to see with a lot of people that sometimes uh, the number of heavy sets that people are doing in a session doesn't need to be as high to elicit progress. Yeah, absolutely. I went through something similar with a couple of my lifter last year as well especially when it came to peaking for, uh, or peaking as in quotation much for one of my female lifters, and when it came to heavier-esque volume sets for one or two mother lifters when it came to certain things, I was like, yeah, this is killing them. There's no point in this. We're going to split this right down the middle. I think maybe a better word than CNS fatigue, because obviously your fucking spinal cord isn't tired because you did a squat, mate. <laughs> Um, I think it's more like just emotional fatigue because if you're not doing like anything over some arbitrary percentage of some arbitrary number from 12 weeks ago, um, if you're not doing anything over some certain weight for a while, you start to attach an emotional weight to it. And you, you know that in four or five, six, whatever weeks, there's this impending test where you're finally going to get to touch these weights that you're not allowed to touch and you put all this weight behind it and then there's this massive crescendo when it finally happens and then it's just like a competition like your post-competition slump i think it's more about emotional just emotional fatigue psychological fatigue and just like a mini version of the post-olympic blues when you only touch these heavy weights every once once every you know three months or whatever but if you're doing that on a weekly basis or or it doesn't even need to be weekly, but on a more frequent basis than would be done in a traditional approach, it doesn't carry that same emotional baggage. So you don't have that same yeah. crash after it. Yeah. I suppose uh, how you would psychologically go towards it as well, that could be a big factor. Yeah, for sure. Like you can, you're if you're if you're exposed to it more often, you just can't approach it with the same level of arousal as you would if you did it twice a year. Yeah. You can try and fake it, but it's not gonna it's it's not the same. It's trying to get people, especially if they're um, because you guys, if you're training, training quite a lot of younger people through Glasgow Uni, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, getting those guys hyped or getting them to find some form of way of arousal could maybe. Do you find it easier? Or do you find it more difficult? And like, if someone's not 
a lifter that responds to that, then we're not going to force them into it. Um, we encourage well, them to try just it. like um, their own type of not necessarily like hype. So their own type of arousal. For people listening that aren't too familiar with sports psychology terms, like arousal just means how you get uh, your preparedness and your emotional and your sort of ready state for competing. So a lot of time people get hyped up, a lot of time people are calm, and there's different, it's a sliding scale for different people. So sorry. Um, I mean, I, I doubt that anyone can, in a strength sport, perform to their fullest capabilities if they're completely calm just no yeah, there, has at to be, all. there has to be some form of nervousness or excitement i would say for it but i always compare it to in a different way because my uh, previous sport experiences i fought muay thai and i fought four professional bouts so for me the best way that i performed is with like dead calm and zero arousal so i'd approach everything just like I'm going to the shops. That's <laughs> yeah, honestly, um, if I ever show you a video or if I send it, like you'll see me walk to the ring, it looks like I'm just going to pick up my shopping. Uh, I don't. The like shops, the cashier might punch me in the face, but you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like I don't look angry. I don't look hyped. I don't look like I can even be asked being there. I'm just like, <sighs> like, like that's, that's what's required for you to focus to the level that is required to, you know, be fast enough to block a punch or something. Then. Exactly. Totally different sport, mind you, because this one you're actually trying to excite yourself to lift a shit ton of weight. I think about it. When I used to do like taekwondo when I was a kid. Um, that was the kind of same approach that I would have when I was sparring. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be overly hyped or aggressive. I would just literally look at the guy's foot in front of me and try not to even look them in the face and just try and be aware of the periphery and, and what's going around. I just react to that. You still look at people's chests. Mm. I changed it to be a bit higher up, but. Um, Yes, yeah, so we're talking about arousal when it came to powerlifting. So finding it, so would you find it easier to sort of tap into something to gauge their arousal if they're a little bit, if they're a bit more susceptible to being, if they're in that stage, if you know what I mean, within university? I don't think so, to be honest. I don't know what's your experience because you have more of the uni um, clients. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's a strong bias either way, to be honest. Um, you do, you get people on all ends of the spectrum. Yeah. yeah, that's just a bit interesting. I've always found it really interesting how people get hyped for certain things. It's hard to judge as well because you may you may have someone that is internally just on fucking fire, but they don't show it. Yeah, yeah. people like the um, arousal. It's a very much of just um, part of their self discovery as a lifter. So even though they may be super hyped right now, as they progress in their powerlifting career, they may find that it's changing. So. I do think that yeah. very much it's it's fluid, it changes. So some of these people that are not really hyped right now may be hyped in the future. So that they're just very much depending on like where they are right now of their lifting and it's what- absolutely I agree with you on that. It's for them to find out and for them to maybe be guided into it and to see how they like it. But what works best for them obviously is just works best for them. The only dangerous thing is like, you know, when you're starting powerlifting, I don't know if you, Lewis, had experience with this, but like people starting powerlifting and just like, oh, that lifter, they get like super hyped up. Uh, they scream, they shout, like all the yeah. back slaps and everything. I want to do that too, even though it doesn't work for them. So I think that's, that's probably the only danger that may come for not necessarily uni people, just like, you know, people who just started powerlifting because they're looking for 
some sort of reference for themselves. Um, so I, I think that that's potentially just a danger for, for people who just started powerlifting. Yeah, that's yeah. a bad thing in general. It, hype, it could be hype or it could be lift execution. Like Younger lifters tend to, younger in terms of, of powerlifting age, how long you've been under a barbell, like they tend to look Training to, to um, high-performing athletes to emulate them, even though if they don't know that they have a psychology or a, a morphology that is suited to lift in a particular way. Yeah, definitely, because you'll get people to look at the sport and be like, oh, big man, punch pen. <laughs> Smell things from ball. Even though I do like I'm not gonna lie, I do like a wee bit of me head Olympics yeah. so often, especially hearing about Will fucking slapping <clears throat> big Paul Walker on the big bald head for commies. That's <clears throat> like right up my alley, even though I'm not like that, but to watch it and to be a part of it would be amazing. <laughs> I think yeah, like again, take a drink, but Sanya sometimes said to me like, Oh I I like she'll see like um one of the female lifters get super hyped like Rihanna Nelson if she gets like super hype and angry or um, there's that famous picture or well, not famous what am I talking about that picture of Alice Freeman before she competed and she was like screaming just a cool picture or like other female lifters should be like I want to get hyped like that and I'm like it's not if you want to you, you can get like that if you want but will it help like yeah. can you find that out yourself you gotta try and see and, and see how it affects you like psychologically as well because it's just like just like exposure to high intensity is like that's something that if you're not used to it and even if it does lead to an elevated performance in one day if you're not used to that that'll have a knock-on effect so you need to train like that fairly often so that you it's something repeatable exactly there's no point trying to implement something if you have not actually practiced it tried and tested it which i'm a massive massive fan of that as well so we've talked plenty about all this so um Young Lewis and Carlini here have both got their own podcast as well. Yep. yep we do. We just recorded, I think, episode seven. Uh, was it seven or eight when we talked to Callum, Callum and, uh, and Boy yeah. Butters again? And um, Ed Check, sports psychologist. Uh, we are talking about, um, you know, just the coronavirus situation and, and how that affects like athlete psychology and motivation and things. Very nice. It's very interesting. It's very good to see because... To be fair, I'd say, pardon me, my podcast is more of the entertainment and more personality side of things where people sort of introduce themselves to a wider audience uh, within powerlifting and to hear something a bit more technical in terms of that uh, when it comes to training or psychology, it's, uh, it's quite refreshing, actually. It gets less lessons, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because you've not got the, the banter or the personality. I'm only kidding. Yeah, no, no, we don't. I'm not going to kid myself. We don't. We're not even going to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I think um, it's just totally different. Strokes are different. Um, because you can always just throw back that time where I didn't know how to work the uh, what's the thing on the combo rack. Get to save my life that day. Uh, yeah, I remember that actually. I didn't know who you were at the time. Uh, so, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if everybody cares who I am anyway, it's fine. Was that everybody just as- uh, Yes, everybody just associates me with Aaron. Yeah, I, I think so I've like, seen Aaron more than I've seen you by that. Oh, I, I, he's a fucking blue eyed boy, Scottish powerlifter, and everybody loves him. <laughs> Best powers with Joe Sullivan, who knows? They're horrible. I hate them. <laughs> so I'm just looking at it, I was like, Jesus Christ, I need to buy one of these so I can actually figure it out. Um, I know how to work it, but every time I'm actually spotting and loading, like my brain just forgets how to do it, and I can't do it quickly. Yep. 
Oh, I couldn't I, I couldn't spot her though, really. like um, I'm gonna try and do other things for Scottish powerlifting, but I was like, nah. Uh, not the pressure, but it's just how many times you have to bend down and pick stuff up. Like <sighs> see like I had to get a deadlift jack for my gym because I'm lazy. The the elevated number of of squat dumps that have happened in recent years that I'm kind of scared when I go on to spot. <laughs> I'm still spotting when I can, but um, I was hoping to get my ref badge this year. Oh, yeah. Because, like, there is always shortage of refs. Hopefully that comes up in the the next couple of years with it being a bit more popular, but it'd be good to see yourself getting the ref uh, qualification. So harsh on depth, or you don't want to be ref by Carolina. Well, that's not true. (laughs) Oh, is that that way? Because I'm, like, a hardcore borderline squatter <laughs> like like hardcore borderline like i'll argue with people over my own training videos it's like, that i'm like watch it again see this see that like the, see that's that by the technical definition that's that i don't know if i've got a perception of what depth is but i'm certainly harsh on my guys about depth yeah you're very harsh um but i guess that's good because that makes us not miss on depth because yeah. after like, I almost missed again, I at Home Nations I almost went home with uh, just my opener on a squat. Um, mm-hmm. But then Jury gave me it because Jury was like, I don't know why they didn't give you that because that was clearly a good lift. But after that, I got so paranoid about my depth that everything was like perfect depth from then on. I think some of that comes back to emulating like high level lifters because you see the high level guys are just they're stretching the rules to every possible way they can. Oh, absolutely. And, and you get someone who's been doing this for a year or two who is like trying to push depth to as high as they can possibly fucking get away with. And it's yeah. like, no, I know that when we put your third attempt on the bar, you're gonna squat higher than you normally do. So we're gonna make your normal level with we're gonna build in a margin for error so that when you inevitably squat higher on your third, it's still in. Yeah, and that's a good way to look at it. Oh, but that would be brilliant. I am um, definitely not. I oh, for oh, one of my lifters have had a problem with depth. That was Sanya again. Uh, if anybody's <laughs> playing the game, but I she drink. Uh, oh no, <laughs> everybody drinks. Uh, and our first comp, she missed her first two squats for depth, and I was like, oh. I was I was about to like throw my phone at her. I was like, you fucking <laughs> squat to depth. I know you can. Um, but it's like there was no argument in the rule. Like it definitely wasn't to depth. It was one of the things. Um, that goes to testing metal and what we're talking about, getting back into it. Like, imagine like something like failing your first two attempts and getting your third uh, is one of the sort of best things you can see in powerlifting, I think. Any thoughts on this, Chris? Why why are people so like emotionally attached to squat depth over any other like technical error that they might commit in training? People get very touchy when they say like a squat is high and very defensive, but like if they hitch a deadlift a wee bit, like nobody really cares. Yeah, strange. It might, might have been something that's been made worse by all the internet and sort of armchair coaches. Yeah. Um, like, oh, how could that be counted to this? That's not depth. And it's like, uh, it's like the first thing that everybody goes to as well. Nobody really yeah. bags on people for having soft knees. Um, it makes it harder to fix as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why actually people bag on that one. It's probably because it's you see it most, I'd say probably why, you see most in gyms where people are like, oh, I can squat uh, 250 kilos, but then they're literally doing like, they're not even bending their knees, they're just like, or they're not even bending their hips, they're just like, eh, just don't maybe that's like the sort of gym bro, like association that sort of brought that in, so that's probably my guess. 
But like if someone if someone did a squat, right, and it was a it was a PB, and it was a wee bit high, people would probably be like if it was uh, if it was some other technical like their knees weren't quite locked, they'd be like, oh, I don't care, I'll, I'll do it fine, it gone. But if it was a wee bit high, then they'll tend to get more pissed off. Yeah, I don't understand that. Uh, I actually don't because I'm like again, I'm a borderline squatter, and I'll I'll play by any part of the rules. But you're right. I don't know why people are so uh arsey about how depth on squats now. No idea why they would be. Do you have Just any thoughts that on that? <laughs> yeah. you, Carolina. Sorry? Any ideas? Uh to be honest, I think it's partially what Chris was saying that is just um, the association with the gym bro and just like not barely bending the knees. And potentially people think that if they squat an inch deeper, that will mean that they are just 20 kilos weaker, which is not true. And not, it's much harder to be a good squatter than to be a good deadlifter. Like a lot of people can just grind out a deadlift, but getting a good squat is much more work. So, combination of few, probably. The ultimate insult in the IPF is the squat high, mate. <laughs> <laughs> squat high away. That's probably because, like, the rule itself um, can be seen as quite subjective because obviously it's to do with the judge's decision, or the ref's decision, sorry. Um, so, again, a lot of the time, like, there could just be that air of subjectivity around the rule where people can make up their own sort of their own rule yeah their own subjectivity for it there no i mean the rule is not as subjective as just did the ref see it properly because most of the time like there's five spotters in the way if you're squatting over 200 kilos like the ref's not going to see shit yeah like i think in that particular case for me when i missed depth when i got red lighted is what because my refs were equipped refs and i was squatting raw and they were looking for something completely different than raw um apparently i don't know but this is what i was told that they were looking for something completely different than to what raw um refs would look for so mm-hmm. i don't know like on the picture it's quite clear that it's definitely that so and i think that was a bit of it was a funny situation because like i got a red light once i put the squ- the bar uh, once I ragged the bar, uh, I got two whites and one red from the side ref. And I was like, yep, nailed it, amazing. And then I went on the platform and I could see that my squad is crossed off, as in like not in. And I was yeah. like, what the hell happened? And apparently, as soon as I got off the platform, the other ref changed the white light to red. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and so yeah, like, got it. <laughs> yeah. So we appealed, and like jury was a bit like, yeah, not sure what that wasn't in because that was in. But um, yeah, apparently that's what I was told because I was a bit confused. But apparently, equipped lifters told me that because they're equipped refs, they were looking for something else. Not sure what would that be, but yeah. Damn. So you actually, you're one of the rare stories of appealing to judges and actually winning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's well good. Well done. One of the rare stories of there actually being a jury to appeal to as well. I don't know. That's maddening. Absolutely maddening. <clears throat> I think well, even at the British Juniors, there wasn't a jury at the British Juniors. There was. There was a jury. Was there? Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> well, that's, that's me shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. So, bringing it into, is there anything that you guys are sort of looking for in the future in regards to your company or in regards to your own 
and also in regards to your own sort of training and competing journey as well. Like, do you guys have any lofty goals for your own uh, competing lives in powerlifting and then the business as well? For the business, I think the loftiest goal that gets more and more lofty the longer it gets delayed is getting our fucking website up. <laughs> oh, website demand. Can't get it done. We've been, I've, I've paid a full year of Squarespace rent and I've still not got it finished. Are you doing it yourself? It's not. It's not hard to do. Like hard to program. I just have it. The same with your accounts. Just pay for someone else to do it. <laughs> That's like, I. I remember my first year. I started as a limited company, and I. I was like, oh, I can do it. And I looked at the tax form. I was like, should have hired an accountant. And I have. But the same. I was like, I'll make my own website. I looked at Squarespace, and I was like, no, no. <laughs> And Stephen just put in the chat, uh, I'm doing this, I'm doing my site now, a feel your pain. <laughs> I thought Squarespace was quite easy to use. Oh, absolutely. It is, it is easy, I can tell you, as a person that sits behind all the content management system for the websites, Squarespace you know, is very... You are coding in like, HTML, don't you? It's not just like easy blocks yeah. you can click and drag and type directly into the page. Yeah, it's not like that at all. So that's pretty easy. Um, but I think it's just um, there's always something else going on that we need to prioritize over the website. But I think we set the priority by the end of the lockdown, so that would be good. Oh, we, we targeted yes. unis, which was now meant to be four days ago, but then because unis <laughs> is delayed to the indefinite future, then that means our deadline is also in the indefinite future. Okay. Exactly. It's in limbo. Is there anything higher lofted than that than the business? Is there any other bigger view uh bigger viewpoints than just uh, getting a website up like we would like to open a gym at some point but um i don't think like we're, we're focusing on the coaching to start for sure if that gets to yeah. a level that it could support um paying all the the fees and stuff for a gym for the first year rent and all that just so that we've covered our bases and probably aren't going to make a loss if it fails then we'll we'll do that but i think probably the most likely way to make it viable would be to team up with some other people in Glasgow because there aren't really any gyms in Glasgow right now that are equipped with competition spec equipment so there's a bit of a yeah. niche still there there's one in Canvas Absolutely. Line but apart from that there's nothing in Glasgow and there's tons in Edinburgh um, so oh there's man niche yeah there's fucking throw a stone in your hat a gym that's got powerlifting equipment. My gym is literally like round the corner from ATS. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, again, we are both down the road from Lyft. Yeah, so we might open a gym sometime, but it would probably be in in collaboration with some other coaches here because like, I'm sure you probably know like gyms don't turn a profit in themselves. It's the coaching and the PT that turns the profit. So Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, I've been quite lucky in the fact that like, what I've done is the gym is solely mine. Uh, everything's in my name, but I just rent space out, and I rent out to a good number of people now. So mm. pretty much that covers most of that covers the rent and utilities, and any money I make off anything else is all mine. Oh, the companies as well. But and like I took out a business loan for all the equipment, and like the payments are not difficult to pay off, so it all works out. But it is mostly like the people you get in to pay rent and then anything on top of it is just a win. What sort you cut off there? When did I cut off? <laughs> then anything on top of that is just something. All right, anything on top of that is just a win. 
you got to the exact same point. <laughs> okay, doesn't matter. That's it. It was just a win. Anything on top of that is just a win. It's just a win. Okay. Okay, we'll do this. That's fucking brilliant. But no, you're right. Um... <laughs> Stephen's just said in the chat there. Okay, we got it. <laughs> that was a glorious cut. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What about as competitors? Uh, next one for me is finally squat 250, which I've been working nice towards goal. for a year now. A yeah, year to four kilos. <laughs> at that one as well, eh? Yeah, I've that wasn't that a good day. Up. That was a bad day. <laughs> that was a bad year, to be honest. Hopefully I can get over that. <laughs> So next one's 250, that's good. What about yourself, Carolina? I don't actually have any competitions on the horizon right now. Just train, get bigger, get stronger, and be healthy, probably. Like I am I would love to total around four forty, four four forty is probably too far fetched, but like two thirty four four thirty, sorry, or four twenty. Uh, by the end of the year, if that's possible. But if that's not going to happen, that's perfectly fine. Um, just, yeah, just get stronger. And business-wise, or just kind of self-development-wise, I would be doing my level four strength and conditioning qualification this year. So kind of want to get that done by the end of the year, again, if possible. How beautiful. What company would you be running through that? I'm still looking for a few, but I think there's this one, Strength and Conditioning Education or Strength and Conditioning Academy, something like that. Mm-hmm. And they're apparently, because I asked a few people, and apparently, the, like, if you want to do it, go with them, because they're actually going to tell you stuff that's useful and not just going to, like, you know, let you do, like, a two-day workshop and tell you that you're a strength conditioning coach. So Yeah, you have to pay, like, £300 to set the assessment, and you get, like, a couple of agility drills, which you're never going to yeah. use. Uh, yes, I think I'm going to go with that. Um, but yeah, we'll see how time kind of plays out. But that's my goal kind of for late this year, early next year to get that completed. And yeah, and so that's that's for me. Just get strong, get big, get past that 150 squat and maybe get a 100 kilo bench. I would love that. But <laughs> 100 kilo bench is massive. That'd be great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, total seven hundred. That would be that would be cool. But that's a ways off yet. Just a wee bit. Oh, that's not too far off. I think there's there's three big ones. It's the the two fifty, seven hundred, and three hundred. Three hundred oh, can be a new gym. Lofty, you not got any lofty gym uh, bench goal? Sorry. Yeah, my bench is it's lucky when it puts a kilo on. To be honest, like it started to pick up recently. So maybe I can yeah. kind of start to pick up a bit more momentum and get to 160 or something. I finally benched 150 last month. Um, That's nice. Well, compared to like some of the other like 83 kilo lifters, like a 150 bench is surprisingly pretty good. It's all right. Compared to my yeah. other two, it's not really on par with those two, but um, you know, it's okay. It keeps up. I think for me, yeah. the reason why I've stalled recently, it's also around numbers because it's 150, 90, 170. It's all around numbers. So I think if I can get like breeze past these, then we're going to be good. Um, yeah. And maybe I can be. on pound plates. Yeah. And maybe <laughs> I can be a kilo lifter like some point next year as well because I'm still very light. Yeah, I was checking there. You're normally weighing in around 66 kilos. Yep. 
That's right. I don't know. That's quite a lot. <laughs> I slowly and surely filling out that weight class, like me. How long have I? You've got more open powerlifting open. How long have I been 83? I've still not filled it out. 83 since 2017. Yeah, still not filled out. I'm like, 80, I'm like 81 average now. Lewis is closer than I am. Funny fact about my going up to 72s from 53s. So I competed at Scottish equipped bench champs. And that day I weighed in at like 62.8 or something. And yeah. within two weeks from there, I went from walking around like 64 kilos to being 66 kilos. And from there, I basically just put maybe another half a kilo, kilo or a kilo, and I'm not really moving much up from there. So <laughs> that's my story of going up. Uh, just basically gained all the weight in the first two weeks. And- <laughs> that's fucking brilliant. I guess from a business perspective as well, that's a business coaching perspective. That's how we kind of recommend people to to go through that journey of going up weight classes not necessarily force the weight to come on, just allow it to come on as a consequence of improved performance, not the other way around. I don't think you can yeah. eat your way to a, a 800 kilo total. <laughs> no, yeah, as long as, like, um, that's one of the particular reasons that Aaron went on a big V-comp is because, for the first part, like, I kind of meant it, but for a long part of the year, I was like, just get as big as possible, fill out in 93, and we'll see what we get back down to 83. But Aaron, eventually, he will be like a 105er. He's got that size and that build and the height. Um, and he will fit, like, naturally, he does still just sit around 86, 87 now, with a bit more restricted calories than what we did in the previous year. So I didn't see the point in eating up a weight class rather than just if you're performing well and you're not overeating and becoming supremely overweight like myself, uh, you should be fine. Just keep doing what you're doing, yeah. yeah. Like if the weight's going, if the, the weight on the bar is going up, that's the end goal. Like you don't need to worry about anything else. Like fuck, if if the weight on the bar is going up and your body weight's going down, who gives a shit? Your your performance is going up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've tried to play about with some different weight classes, particularly going down a weight class, because which for interesting, just like one of them asked again, Sanya, take a drink, but uh, <laughs> she wanted to experiment going down to fifty two. So I was like, well, we'll get a fucking try, like. Missed out by 600 grams, but nearly got there. Fuck. 600 grams. Oof. After resort to spitting in a cup. Uh, well, I got to the point where she had already been spitting earlier and got in and she was 600 over. And I was like, there's no point. Just fucking just no. rehydrate and we'll get you on as long as you can. Today, as long as you put up some numbers, you'll be. She had to resort to spitting before, but it was only 200 grams. But. Um, as I think it's to do with the irregularities between the scales and the surface, because it's never the same. Yeah, I think I won the lottery with our scales because ours are pretty accurate to the competition ones, so we know what we're going to be. See, we knew, we thought, um, it was the first time she competed, or the first time I took notes on what their scales would be like, and I remember, uh, I think Sanya's were about like almost 500 grams over what the competition scale said. So oh, I was like, I was like, perfect. We'll keep an eye on that. So on the day, she like, she was like, oh, I'm, I'm like the last one. She was like, I'm fifty two point two in the morning when she woke up at six. I was like, that's fine. Just uh, try and go to the toilet. Spit. You, you should be on weight. And then showed up <laughs> six hundred grams over. That. Uh, uh, that, hmm, that's a bit high. <laughs> I was like, that's that's a fair bit over. 
he experimented much with um like manipulating like diet essentially and going on a low fiber diet to kind of clear out the old intestines uh, yeah that's what we tried we've got um mike morris to help out with that one with sanya for the previous one uh for her uh, it did seem to work almost to the point there seemed to be either a miscommunication or a mishandle i'm not too sure what happened um but there was something that there was like a one day where like there spiked in numbers when it came to weight and it was quite odd so we're still not too sure what happened but yeah Female body, that's what happened. Female body, yeah, yeah, it's it's always up and down. (laughs) I know. I, when we were coming to Brits, I was weighing in at like 67.5 for about a week before, and then I weighed in at 66.7 on a day. And I honestly have no idea how that happened because I ate 4,000 calories and 500 grams of carbs the day before. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I don't know how that happened. Female bodies always destroy that shit. That's weird. Yep. It's like it's always like if I can always tell a female lifter out uh, when they come in and if they're having a particularly bad session, not necessarily bad, but like a bit disconjointed, I'm just like, God damn it, God damn that cycle. Yeah, <laughs> fucks everything up. <laughs> it does. It's no, so it's, it does. <laughs> it's so. Like, I've seen um, I've seen that effect like some um, particularly sometimes when it comes to like instruction or. Like executing some cues that they normally execute, and uh, like a female lifter, just sometimes it seems like their head's pure clouded and yeah. going left instead of going right, or just like that terms. And I'm just like, Oof. yeah, it's very individual, but like it's quite common just distraction, feeling a bit clumsy, um, yes. feeling very irritable. So, like, even if like you're giving them cues as a cautionary, I just back off pretty much because. <laughs> Don't give me cues. I know what I'm doing. Uh, tightness in the lower back and just generally feeling like weak and unmotivated to to go and do anything. So not uncommon, but again, not for everyone. Re re depending on a person. Yeah, it's got an interesting interaction with the way that we program because um, we look at the time to peak, which is it works fine for for male lifters who don't have this this four week or five week or however long it is for that person. Um, period of, of down performance happening. We don't but, have these lottery of hormones that might hit a jack yeah. at any point. You gotta start keeping like detailed logs of like when their their like, you know, performance dip because of their natural cycle was in relation to their training cycle so that you can then look back and be like, oh this block from a year ago, like there was a drop in week four or they normally peak in four weeks. Like why did that happen? Oh it was because they were just for the period and then uh, it, it makes things more complicated to keep track of for sure. And then again, on top of that, it's not always the same. So some menstrual cycles, uh, a female lifter may be absolutely fine. The other, they may suffer, like they may be in a lot of pain, uh, very distracted. So it's really not the same. Like it it gets probably more predictable the more you track it, because obviously more data um, gives you a bit more patterns, but it's, it's it's not as reliable. Especially when you factor in like birth control and that as well, it can definitely just be <laughs> hormones. Yeah, that to be honest, smooth <laughs> thing out a bit, does it not? Yeah, yeah. So birth control pills actually smooth things out a little bit for females because there is no that like in menstrual cycles the hormones obviously go up and down versus when mm-hmm. 
um, they, when they're on the contraceptive pill, that, that curve is kind of flattened out. It's not actually flattened out, but it's not, you don't get these spikes as much as you get in natural menstrual cycle. It also depends on what kind of contraceptive pills they are because yeah. spine pill and progesterone only pill are very different. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm talking it, about maybe if they run one or two packs at the one yeah. point and then come off. Oh yeah, that's 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 gonna mess it up completely. Yeah, yeah that's what I was referring yeah. to. So when they come off, not not the actual smoothing out of actually doing it, but the periods of time where they actually have to come off the pill, like that'd be another factor into sort of be like, oh Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so fans of being in a female body. Don't envy you. No, but on the other hand, estrogen is really good for recovery. So. Around ovulation, we are in a peak performance, so that's ah, always yeah. yeah. Again, uh, also, it's not like consistent, and like studies are very <laughs> can. If you ask a scientist, they will be like, "There's not enough data on that." But I think there is more probably data pointing towards that strength is higher, like just strength kind of peaks around ovulation for for some female lifters. Again, not for everyone but definitely tends to happen. For each yeah. person, you quickly notice the patterns that are applicable to yourself. Like It doesn't matter yeah. what the, the, the data says about the average woman because yeah. an individual is not the average. That's wildly yeah. different for person to person. I know How's people, I know, I know female lifters who are at their absolute peak, at their, like, at their actual menstruation, when they are menstruating, they feel the strongest and the best and they feel super fucking motivated <clears> to train. So. Whatever works for a person, you know. Exactly. Different strokes for different folks. And people yeah. get to that point where they can actually train to do anything. Just on the note of like research and stuff on menstrual cycle, like, I think in powerlifting these days, like people put a bit more weight into scientific evidence than they really should. Because I think yeah. I think human performance, even in a relatively simple sport like powerlifting, is too complex to boil down into a controlled study and actually make a an, a conclusion that is applicable to the real world from? Yeah, the field has got far too many variables for it to actually get a constructive sort of scientific study that would be yeah. applicable to like large bases. So like, I remember me and Steve Weil have chatted about this. We're talking about studies and they'll be like, they've said, oh, these males are advanced training age, but they can only squat 140. They're like, oh, Okay, but how does this relate to someone trying to squat over 300 kilos? Yeah. It's, it's hard to... Even other things like morphology and technique is something that is like never addressed in, in any of this stuff. Like, yeah, very, um, very standardized. Like you'll, have, you'll have like EMG studies that will say, oh, like a good morning is better for your glutes than an RDL or something like that. I don't know, just some yeah. random example. But like that doesn't take into account the femur to shin ratio or the femur to torso exactly. ratio of the different it individuals, doesn't. or how good they actually know, how well they know how to do a good morning versus an RDL. Like, do they actually fucking know what they're doing? <laughs> Can they execute ah, yeah, it? Exactly. Maybe, maybe and, one person knows how to do an RDL, but nobody knows how to do good mornings, and so RDLs get better results. Exactly. And how about the person could actually maybe engage the muscles better through previous lifetime sporting events or anything else? Yeah. Like, there's too many variables to actually point across in it. So that's why studies... When it comes to that, like, it's really, really hard to feel out on that. That's maybe why 
a throwback to what we were talking about earlier that when you bring up powerlifting ideas to people in the sports scene, they just seem to not be interested because it might be too big a hill to climb. Mm. I think it's probably more just that there's no money in it. Yeah. Most likely no money in it as well. Uh, there's no powerlifting coach that's going to pay for that study. Yeah, I think like results on on powerlifting are just they're applicable to powerlifters only. They can't apply that to other sports. So like you don't really, although like other other sport athletes will be doing squats, benches, and deadlifts. Like they really don't care how to optimize that. No, everything's about the sport. Everything about the crossover and the carryover to sport. Even though how wildly subjective and how wildly uh, applicable these things can be. Uh, that's all they care about is the carryover and how can I attend their sport and even trying to get an athlete and I've mentioned this a million times in the podcast even trying to get an athlete to train out with their sport to do some lifting or some form of exercise is fucking nigh on impossible you get the same shit in powerlifting like no powerlifters want to go do some cardio <laughs> yeah and now they're being forced into it some of them because they don't have care like I've got to do something so I'll actually go for a run Oh, it's been weird. I've been doing some good old bash routing CDs for my bag work. That's all I've been doing for cardio. It's been beautiful. Yeah. Actually, I don't, I don't mind doing... I quite like the idea of doing some sprint training, but I just... I never get around to it. I was quite good at sprinting when I was uh, in high school. It's always on my mind. I'm like, I could go do some interval, and then I never do them. I was about to say, Louis, that you've been talking about going sprinting for about two weeks now, and you haven't even gone for a walk with me yet. So, well, I don't. <laughs> I would prefer to sprint than to walk. <laughs> you haven't gone with me. Why walk for an hour when you can sprint for like ten sets of twenty seconds? Exactly. <laughs> I always wonder why, like, running is not the standard mode of transport for people. Like, walking is just so fucking inefficient. It takes so long to get anywhere. I wish it was socially acceptable to just run up the street. <laughs> Fucking sprint, foot pelt, down to go yeah. shopping. Yeah, do it. I would if if it was uh, if if I cared less about what people thought about me. <laughs> That's fine. You're an introvert. Nobody cares. Just sprint. <laughs> Sounds like you're fairly um, churning out these episodes. What episode number is this? Uh, number yeah, 10? this is going to be number episode number ten. So Ooh, I've recorded we're nice another number. Exactly. Exactly. If you think about it more, it gets easier. Listen yeah. to a few of them. You're turning them out faster than I can listen to them. Oh man, yeah, that's I I recorded um three episodes in one week at one point as well. So I was just like, all these done and dusted, I don't have to <laughs> <Sorry about that>. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Stephen. <laughs> but uh yeah. I've turned about. I uh, really enjoyed. Uh, I don't. I've done a, an episode with Paul and Stephen, the producers of and A12 after 12 Media. We've also got a podcast. Anybody podcast? Who's next? Uh, I was a guest on. Uh, done that one, and I'm going to do an episode. With my girlfriend who competed at Easterns as well. I'm going to do an episode with some of like my guys. That's just a special episode, like talking shit. So people want right. Exactly. I need to get a few other people on. I need to get one of your guys on. Is uh, you coach uh, Rachel? Yeah. Yeah, Rachel. I need to get her on. She's been a uh, big Joanna. Told me to get her on, and she's an avid. So I'm... better know you're you're interested then. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I will. 
Rachel's uh, fun. Rachel's fun. She's gonna tell you all about the Pokemon and chocolate orange and how to get the juicy deadlift. So I'll, I, I'm an elder, so I'll tell her all about Pokemon. Oh. <laughs> I'm an OG Pokemon adapter. I was playing Pokemon when she was still probably a baby. <laughs> so what have you guys been doing in the lockdown? Have you got anything that's been keeping you sane? Um, I guess, like, for me, it's just walking with Derpy and Oh, yeah, the lovely little doggos. Yeah, I've been gradually going insane with this paper, but it's it's done finally. So, yeah, I'm so thankful I'm not at uni. Do you think I actually, as I said, like I actually quite enjoy the routine, and it's now I can sleep a bit more and I get a bit more doggo time. So yeah, I actually quite enjoy it. And not much is different for us because we've got a home gym, so we can just train relatively normally. We're a little bit equipment limited, but like we can't really complain considering what everyone else is, is dealing with right now. So. Yeah, you can still squat bench and deadlift, and that's fucking 100 times better than what most people have got there. I can't squat because um, I kind of tweaked some ligament uh, in my glute, so... I can't squat for a little bit, so I'm just doing safety squat, safety bar, safety squat. What? SSB. 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 She's also got. She's also got SSB BSS. Yeah. (laughs) What? Doing split squats with an SSB. Oh right! Oh Jesus! That's nasty. Well, I was so chuffed that I got my SSB for the gym. a couple of months ago, and it's been like the most used bit of kick. Man, my elbows took an absolute beating. I love it and hate it at the same time. Yeah, same. I love it and hate it. But I don't have a choice now, and I think it actually kind of plays nice with the whole powerlifting situation for me right now. Me just being a bit burnt out, I don't mind just stepping away from low bar squatting, so safety SSB is absolutely fine <laughs> to, to say <laughs> well actually SSB stands so yeah SSB is fine for now it's hard yeah. really fast like it'll go from like an like if you're going through a set it'll go or like yeah. even if you just add like 5 kilos it'll go from like RP4 to RP9 oh it's mad absolutely mad when the inclusion of the erectors to keep everything upright as well just whew I haven't quite oh, cracked yeah. 200 uh, SSP yet, but I, I got uh, I got 190 and it was okay, so I could do 200. But I've seen that video. Like, um, it's, it must have been one of those ones where internally you were felt like you were about to explode, but it actually looked fairly easy from the outside. Yeah, like I'm normally I'm not much of a grinder on the squat on any lift to be honest, but like SSP just kind of turns that up a notch. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Because I remember telling people, and there's a few people in the gym that had never used one before. And they were loading it, and I'm like, you sure you want to be loading that? And they're like, oh, I should be fine. I'm like, like, I won't tell them, but I'll just be like, hey, <laughs> 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 run away to the side and watch them. You just lose position just a tiny bit, and it's like, you, you're going to die. It's like, you just, you, you can't push up anymore. Your chest falls, your your hips curve under, you can feel your, your spine just like going into this horrible position. Oh, God, it's horrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's been a couple of times when I've been using that, my actually saved me from death. I was like, oh yeah, I need to change that out a wee bit. One fuck up and it's just maddening how bad it can be. So you have quite, quite like a lot of your, your lifters coming over to your home gym 
did before the lockdown. Um, so gym shut maybe a week or so before the actual lockdown was declared. So we that was one thing that we were like, okay, we can still provide some kind of service as a business and, and let yeah. our listeners come and train here. Um, so we're doing that for a bit. And assuming restrictions are lifted in reverse order, so hard lockdown ends, but gyms are still closed, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll let people come back and train at that point. But Yeah, I'll probably be opening my place to my lifters at that point. Obviously, all that was with like extra precautions, and, like disinfectant sprays and everything. Yeah. My mom even sent me like medical grade disinfectant. So Jesus, <laughs> just yeah, looking at the number of cases now again because I've been checking this every day, and we have one, two, three, four, five, six. In fact, a full week apart from one day of where we've had around like, a roughly stable number of new cases. So I think we're beating it, guys. Uh, we might be beating the curve. That'd be nice. Uh, that yeah. Hopefully, if it does happen, reverse order where everything sort of stays locked and lifted. Like I don't think it'll be at the end of this week. I think they'll probably carry locked on over for a wee bit longer. But as long as I do, I can actually get people in lifting because obviously it's my gym. Like as long as nobody else is there, I can still train. But I'm not really doing much too serious stuff. Like taking a wee holiday. Quite like in training at home, like. I hate the stiff bar as well and the deadlift. Like it's it's, it's so horrible compared to the the bumpers and the, and the twenty seven mil bar that we've got in the gym normally. But like I I do quite like the environment in the home gym. Like I've discovered I'm a bit more extroverted as a lifter than I thought I was because like there's just nobody there to to judge when you scream and shout. <laughs> oh yeah, like I practice this and I try and put it into my lifters like almost stoicism, where I kind of got it from my fight days where you don't want to look like you're dying like you don't want to be dramatic about it and I feel that as well so if I do something I will never, like if I'm in a bunch of people you'll never hear me like yelp or yeah, I would just like put it up if I hit it and I put it back and then I'll just quietly die on the floor <laughs> pretty much how I live my life that's what I did in my first week of this block because uh, I've got some six count eccentric deadlifts, which you may have seen on my Instagram, but they're yeah. fucking horrible. And then they're a bit like the SSB that, and if you lose position just the, the slightest bit, you're, you're you're they're gonna fucking kill you. And after losing position a tiny little bit that wasn't even visible on the video, like my erect was just fried and I had to lie in the wall for literally forty minutes. Oof. Quietly, just like you. <laughs> Just quite a little interest, that's fine. <laughs> so the last one is I've been doing, uh, this is the last month I was doing volume uh, for the first time in a long time. And I was just hitting sets of like 8 and 10. And like, after every set, I was just like quietly trying not to spew. It was like <laughs> sitting there like, it's fine. Nobody's looking at you. It's cold sweats. It's all right. It's fine. Is there anything you do loudly? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I might, the only thing I think I do loudly when it comes to is obviously putting the weight down for my dad that is never quiet but uh, probably like re-racking or like just racking bench I would just hurl that shit I say folk all the time I'm like people are so scared to like gingerly put things back and I'm like this rack can take it just fire it back into it you'll be fine I have to get used to putting my squats back really slowly because my rack's going to fall over if I don't <laughs> Oh, I was in the yeah. gym and just uh, slamming back into the rack, but I can't do that here. No, 
So at one point there was like we have I've got like all the competition fractional plates on the back of one of the squat racks. So if you smash it really hard, it sounds like a wind chime. <laughs> I'm like Jesus fucking Christ. Um, the only thing is, hopefully after that, we get some funding, I'm going to get a combo rack for the gym, and that's going to be even better for repositioning, so I can get that proper wide body grip on squats and not worry about getting my hands or pinkies ripped off. That'll be a nice addition to your gym for sure. So you actually have you sat put into thought into get your own place? Uh, nothing concrete. Like we've we've scoped out a couple of potential, um, you know, industrial state sort of things, but like nothing nothing set in stone because we want to be able to. I think basically get to the point that I can have one year worth of like rent and and utilities for whatever facility we do rent out. Uh, just ready to go and pay it up front just in case it doesn't make money because it's not going to make money in the first year. It's going to be at a loss. Yeah, I could play it that way. Do you have any tips for a potential gym owner? Uh, I, I just run in with both feet. Like, I, I kind of done mine like randomly almost. Um, like, I didn't really think too much because um, I've got quite a good amount of people that back me and I've got quite a good um, advice from a guy that's quite high up and sector so I'm not really too scared about struggling a wee bit of debt or a wee bit of credit debt doesn't bother me too much um, aye so if you're ever into it just don't be scared if you're not making money in the first wee part it will eventually even itself like you guys have got a good service showing results from people these are high quality competitors yourselves so I don't know why something that you use would attach yourself to wouldn't succeed so again, at the first part, it, it might be frustrating. You know yourself, you have your up and down months when it comes to coaching or teaching. Uh, just not to be scared. It's one of those things where it might be. It's quite scary, and um, it's not a hundred percent going to go perfectly because obviously the first time you do something, it's going to be a bit choppy. So just to like not be worried if you're not making money in the first year, or like you know yourself that. Um, coaching can come and go and you can have easier and you can have harder months but like you guys yourself like these are good coaches these are like fierce competitors yourself you seem to have quite a lot of success put towards um your name and your work ethic as well so i can't see why something uh wouldn't like prosper under your guys lead if you know what i mean so uh, it would just be like sorry don't be scared and just jump in and do it if it's something that you want to do, uh, do it sooner rather than later. And if the opportunity comes up, just take it. Don't sit and wait and think something else will show up. Like it's probably best to just fire in and just do it. And also, business rates on loans are like the lowest they've been in like twenty odd years. Did you have um, Did you have investors for yours? I had originally sought out an investor, but then they pulled out. Like. It was a, a load of, it was a pain in the arse. Uh, to be fair to her, she had to like, she bought a second property without uh, selling her first property and then had got, I can't remember what the tax is called, but you get her a certain tax, which is like 60% of the buying like value. So she had to pay up like 30 odd grand or something. And I was like, well, all right, I, I suppose you're not going to put 10 grand into my business and that's fine. <laughs> So what I did is I initially, I'd already saved up quite a lot of money from BTing, and then I just got a £15,000 business loan from Barclays. 
I need to look into that. That's something I've not even looked into yet. Oh man, like I got like a pretty good rate on it. Um, you, uh, the now, um, obviously the banks are a bit of disarray because of the whole situation, but um, there'll be a lot of debt forgiveness and there'll be a lot of better loan rates in the next few years, I'd imagine. So it's definitely if you're ever looking into getting like a manageable business loan, um, it's probably the best time and to get it. Yeah, we need to wait for things to come down, obviously, and I think we've still got a bit of reputation to build up before we do that. So I'll I think... just do it my way and just get a gym first and then try and build your reputation. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're pursuing the coaching first because that's obviously got no um, upfront cost. That if it fails, then you're gonna, it's not gonna bury me. So true. I kind of went like my the way that I went about it is not for everyone because I did kind of go in a bit reckless. And I'm kind of banking on myself a bit hard that it will come out. And like to be honest, it seems to be working quite well. Um, but it's kind of something that I've built for a long time, and I've been like studying it. I've kind of been in the industry for about seven years. It's just a bit more experience grading for me, and it's kind of it's not too bad. Uh, following a budget model and stuff as well, like actually understanding a bit of the business trends that are happening within. The fitness industry and having a niche and knowing what like there's a couple of different things you can do with your product and your gym that makes it a bit better than not. Uh, another bit of advice as well that I'd say is own what you are. Don't try and change it and don't try and say it's something else for other people. Yeah. So the biggest thing that I am is like if you've ever listened to my ep- my first episode where I talk about Energize, the gym that I worked at uh, previously is an absolute shithole. Uh, the owner is a stark raving lunatic. Uh, tried to make a sex dungeon in his gym, like genuinely. <laughs> uh, I'll get into it another time, but man, it, it's pretty mad. But um, it was like a like a leisure facility, but the equipment was well over ten years old. And he would say like, "Oh, everybody can train here. Like it's the best freeway like area in Edinburgh." And I'm like, "Mate, like it's not even the best freeway area in a fifteen minute radius." <laughs> like I could name, I said I could name five more gyms that I've got. Like my gym, which is a small fourteen hundred square foot gym, has got better equipment, lifting equipment in that gym, just because it's new. So like actually owning what you are. So if like somebody comes to you and say like, oh, there there's something it with like no, we're like mostly suited towards powerlifters, it's a spitting sawdust gym. Like it's probably not for some people. Uh, just don't try and please everyone. <laughs> That's another thing. So what you're saying is that Energize should have actually marketed themselves as a gym slash sex dungeon. Pretty much. Like, I don't think I've actually spoke about this on the podcast yet. I spoke about how mad it was, but he had a business idea, right? Which they had a plant room because they obviously had a pool and they had a plant room at the bottom, and it was it was really big. Uh, and his idea was that he was going to have cells put down there. Like he actually started making these cells without asking the landlord or without getting insurance for this idea, he bought a £5,000 ambulance, right? And this all ties together. So what he was going to do is he was going to kidnap people. Like, people would sign up for this, apparently, and they would get brought in to have, like, they get, like, kidnapped and they get put into a cell and they have, like, a, a last meal and they get, like, a full execution. And this was his idea and he like went gung-ho with it like spent well over six grand on it right and i was like this is absolutely fucking mental and like he actually started building the cells and stuff without the landlord's permission what the fuck that's one of the weirdest fetishes i've ever heard of yep 
Like, honestly, like, you never, ever believe this was actually true, but, like, there's pictures of, like, the ambulance he bought and he tried to, now he tried to turn it into, like, a pizza van, <laughs> which he, I remember him getting, like, the 250-kilo clay oven that I had to help put in the back of the ambulance. <laughs> and I was like, fucking hell, man. Like, um, like somebody with more money than sense, but it was, it was amazing. But, like, you never understand how lunatic or how mad that place was. All the 10-year-old rusty chains would have come in handy in the sex dungeon. Oh, I, Oh, absolutely. Like, I could never even imagine. Because uh, the more I think about it, the more mad it actually is. But yeah, right, so don't uh, like try and market yourself as something else. Always be honest up front in that. Um, if you're not honest with it up front with people and what you can provide, it's the same with your service as well. Like, if somebody came to you and said that they wanted to be an Olympic gold medalist, like, roar, like, you're not going to be able to coach them. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. So it's, just, it's basic things of what you've been doing with your coaching, the same thing you would do with your gym as well. Yeah, we're trying to specialize and, like, make it known that we are specialized in powerlifting and, and we're not, like, we're not dabbling in it, um, which yeah, does, that's... it limits your client base, but I think it, it gives a better um, impression of the business. No, absolutely. Thing. It's more clear. It's more clear cut. Um, that's something I wish I had the scope of when I made my name and the fact that I put fitness in the name, which I kind of regret it because it, like my whole name that I came up with was a joke, and it's still a joke and it's like a stupid name. But I'm like nobody else is going to have the name Graham Any Fitness, so might as well. Uh, so that's one thing that I wish I had the scope uh, earlier on because I knew I always wanted to get into strength coaching or powerlifting coaching, but I just never had the scope to be like, I kept it too general when I should. Well, I suppose if you start out and you're just a basic PT, you should be more general. Yeah. Than anything you don't have a choice at that point. point. Yeah, because we're coming at it from two different avenues uh, with yourself where you came straight into coaching powerlifting from that standpoint and I had more of a sport into fitness background for being a personal trainer as well. That's something I was going to say earlier when we were talking about programming approaches. I think it's um, it sounds like I'm kind of um, putting sugar on shit when I say this, but it, it, there are some benefits to not having that formal education. Um, oh, absolutely. Um, see anything below, I'd say, like degree level or third year. Anything below that when it came to programming, it's... Uh, nowhere near as intricate or well described as it could be. Just, I think, um, like I naturally question everything. I've got that scientific mindset of just like I don't take anything at face value unless I understand exactly why. Yeah. Um, so I, f- I find it very easy, especially because I don't have that um, background of like this is how you construct a training cycle. It is twelve weeks long, and you break it into four times three week blocks, and blah blah blah. This is how it's set out. Um, I'm more open to a more bottom-up style training, which is what the whole emerging strategies thing is about. Well, yeah, well, the only thing with that is like, I get annoyed when people have to set things, and the way that they speak about it is very matter-of-fact in that like, we've already mentioned earlier in the podcast that how a massive amount of variables there are in actual programming or actually in just in parallel in general. So when people say that everything is state, like, it has to be this long, it has to do this, it has to do that, it's... Uh, it's totally outlandish to me, if you know what I mean. Yeah. 
like ES kind of approaches it almost in that scientific way, and I do have doubts about that approach. Like you can start to notice trends in a person over time, but I I do not assume that those trends are repeatable. Uh, oh is, yeah, people I can think... like bodies can adapt. Uh, different neurons, like different neuromuscular and uh, physiological adaptations, can happen over time that changes what way trends upwards or what trends down. It can totally change time to time. People get older, people get stronger, people get ill, people get sick. Like you know, what I mean, yeah. Totally Every time you go through a training point. block, you're now a different organism than you were when you entered that training block, and so the the same rules are not going to apply. Like it's not going to be vastly different after a single training block, but after you've run through twelve training blocks, then you might as well be a, a new lifter again from 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 the coaching perspective. Like if I'm looking at, for example, Rachel from 2017 versus Rachel from 2019, they're essentially mm-hmm. different lifters. Yeah. So I've noticed that with some of my lifters, especially with Aaron in recent times, so about a year ago, uh, anything, like, comparative-wise, if you compared <coughs> the percentage of what he lifted deadlift-wise compared to squat and bench, um, it literally was around about 10 to 15% less. So just across the board, almost almost as in, like, a general capping, right? And it worked. So he put on 15 kilos on his deadlift within a few months. Well, not a few months, but like over the span of like eight to ten months, and then I was at six to eight, six to eight months, I'd say. But then now I've noticed that they have done like a wee sort of test phase, and I was like, right, that's actually not, I'm not getting the results out of that which I wanted to. So we'll bang things. Back. So it's, it's sort of naive for some people to think that the same principles are going to work for every single person, even the same person six months later. Yeah, like that whole. I think it's it's good in a way to not have that uh, baked-in notion of this is the recipe that I have and I have to bend the recipe to suit the person. Like I think it's a better way to approach things to build a recipe for each person. Yeah, that's something that I quite like, the idea of like, built, like that's how I kind of approach most of my clients and most of my lifters were as well, is like, you'll have your own things, like you'll have your own, like... <coughs> Um, even just exercise selection of your own things that will sort of be like pre-tales of who programmed for who but a lot of the time I like to look at somebody as like something totally different compared to anybody else that I've ever programmed for they are in a way yeah exactly like it's not it's, it's, it's not like you can give the same exercise to two different people and it will have completely different effects yeah exactly and that's not even bringing into the like biomechanic factors or even physiological factors of different uh, things that are happening within that body. Sometimes, Very complicated like, topic. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, um, um, we will, me and Will spoke about it once in the podcast, where it was just like, one day something will happen and there's literally like, some somebody will get like a 10 kilo PB and you're like, uh, magic? <laughs> it's like I don't know how that happens sometimes you're like uh, brilliant but then you can, just look at what you, can, you can look at what they've done and then well whatever they were doing there maybe maybe you've um, maybe you've just stumbled across the recipe for them that it will be the recipe for the next year until it doesn't work anymore but then you can try and figure out what it was about what you've been doing for the last block that led to that happening exactly but it's, it's amazing when those things happen where they just come out with the blue 
the best one I had was recently is my client Alan, who's about uh, he's coming up for forty. He'll be competing at the M ones, and well, we would have been this year, but I don't know how everything's going to be scoping out for that. But like, uh, it's a smaller guy, so initially he struggled with bench. Like I mean, the first time I like ever coached him on bench, he struggled to move forty kilos, and like all up until competition, his first one at Eastern, he got eighty kilos, and then he would get buried by where he'd get like destroyed by 85 and you get crushed and then all of a sudden like two weeks later got 92.5 and then two weeks or three weeks after that he got a sketchy 100 and I'm just like eh could it happened before the call right <laughs> I was like what the fuck happened here I was like what is it but um, I kind of think I know why that happened with him but um, it's just cool yeah just uh, sometimes just... happens it's also like you know the the number sometimes the number on the bar can be um, can be blocker for people. Yeah, you mentioned that like you were talking about how the you had like round numbers yeah. on your current PBs. Like, is that something that sort of hits you sometimes? I don't. I I never thought it hit me until then. You know, but the funny thing is that well, I guess I had that in the past with my deadlift, but I think that was just due to poor technique on the deadlift and weak glutes. Mm. But I tend to. If I have the block on a certain number, I just tend to breeze past it. Like, you know, as you said, like one day, it would just be like a snap and suddenly you're past it. It's And I've seen that with some of my lifters as well. Like you're chasing a number and then suddenly you're just breezing past it. And you are aiming for, let's say, 150 bench. And you're trying to get that 150 so much. And suddenly you're doing 155. And you just you did you didn't even try one fifty you know in a comp because you just breezed past it. I mean that when I finally squat two fifty, I'm going to two weeks later squat two seventy five. Who knows? You heard it. You heard it here, <laughs> everybody. If he doesn't squat two seventy five after squatting two fifty, um, kind of magic's not working. <laughs> That's something I've, I've recommended people to do is just always always keep moving your goals like never never actually set a goal that is too close because then it will just end up um it'll end up causing those blocks like send set one that is far enough away that you don't you're never going to put a weight in the bar that makes you that nervous like if you if if you have someone that is like let's say 100 kilo bench for carolina like when she gets into that 1995 range she should probably bump that up to 110 so that when she can yeah, do 100 I... it's not going to be that mentally um scary weight anymore because 100 isn't the goal anymore it's now 110 yeah I've always kind of tried to implement this sort of goal philosophy in my lifters where it's just like is it really necessarily matter about numbers it's just getting stronger uh, I've tried to implement that into people so hopefully like think my guys a lot of time numbers don't play too much of a toll they don't play too much of a toll to me um, I know, and again, raise your glasses, but it does affect Sanya, especially with squats. She will let a number get in her head, and all of a sudden, but as soon as that number goes in her back, that everything goes out sometimes. And it's, it can just be a weird psychological thing. But same with goals as well. Um, talk about that. Uh, I, I know we're craving a drink, Stephen. <laughs> but um, it comes to setting goals as well. Like there, there is, obviously, we're in a number-based sport, so it has to be some number-based goals. Uh, but, yeah, I like the idea of it. It's just, it should always be forever expanding, but never ridiculous or never too low to the point where you feel bad that if you don't get it. 
A good stuff on goals that I learned from Ed Chakera that we were on a podcast last Friday was um, dividing your goals into outcome goals, which is like your, I think I remember it, outcome goal would be like, yeah, like a certain number. And then your process goal would be stuff that helps you get to that point. So process goal would be, for example, for me, that would be, I don't know, hitting my all training singles or hitting or just completing all my volume for squat for that number. So that's the process goal. So even if that outcome seems a bit unattainable or a bit hard, then you can process goals. And it's ultimately the process goal that's going to get you to the outcome. That's something I need to do and not fucking overshoot an RPE for an entire block and just see if that makes me stronger. (laughs) Yeah, it's always that that internal fight between overshooting and yeah. not overshooting. Yeah, it's always it always comes down to almost breaking the big goals down into the smaller steps and break into that goal. So the process goes. It's always interesting how people word different things when it comes yeah. to psychology psychological processes, but um, it always is very interesting. But it always normally does work if you can break the big goal into the smaller steps of how you will get to that goal normally. It does work. Because even in that situation, like, you know, even if you're training... And, oh, oh God! Sorry. What happened? Uh, <laughs> never hear my dog bark. <laughs> You'll definitely hear ours bark. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, well, I was saying, oh, like, see what the process goes. Like, even if the outcome, for example, goal for a given session is hitting certain go- certain weight for an eight RP, that's your outcome. But the outcome goal doesn't quite go to plan, and you overshoot. You still have the process goals to focus on, so you can still focus on execution, on um, getting all your volume and getting your accessories done. Because that's something that people tend to skip a lot, just all their accessories. Oh yeah, we can get something. into that with someone else. Oh, something we shouldn't call them accessories. We should call them something else because then I think that name just makes people want to skip it and they think it's not needed. See, yes. I've tried that. I I refer to see if it's like. Of a accessory lift, but see if it's like a modified lift, like a pause squat or like a close grip bench. I just call it a variant lift, yeah. and I'm trying to like push that in to be like it's not an accessory; it's a variant lift. It's, it's, it's supplemental to the main lift, but um, it's still a big lift. Use a bonder chart notation and call them SDEs and SPEs, and then like you'll you'll have everyone that. People are going to think you know what you're talking about more, and they're going to want to do their oh, hypertrophy lift. I'm just going to come up with my own training system, <laughs> and then I'm going to if if I become successful, and not just rely on like I'll go completely into the non-tested world, just hype everybody up on trend, and then <laughs> squat never squat to depth. That's another good one, and uh, I'll just say that my training system is the best, and hopefully I could come up with random inventions that people are listening to. Have any any training inventions that you've not yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> but no, um, <laughs> that's what I say. I'll just become like the Scottish Lee Simmons. <laughs> I could never do it. Lee Simmons, he's quite a guy. I haven't seen yeah, that West Side of the World. It's actually I, pretty good. I told you we need to watch that, and we're like, oh no. I think it's like Iron Culture Enthusiast, we should watch it. Well, Not really an Iron Culture like Enthusiast. Do you mean hmm? the podcast or the actual Iron Culture? No, the actual Iron Culture. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've listened to one Iron Culture podcast episode. 
Omar Yusuf is a bit annoying, I must admit, but I still I still enjoy it. It's still it's a good listen. It's not as informative, it's more just for the banter, but it's 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 good. There's some good as Green Mania Fitness. Ah, the great cast. <laughs> it is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. You're listening to it right now, but thank you. <laughs> just in case you weren't aware where to find the Green Mania Fitness podcast. <laughs> sorry, sorry, the, great great podcast. the great cast. <laughs> the great cast. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, it's G R A Y T. Where can you get it, Chris? Anywhere, <laughs> absolutely. Because like I done an episode with Stephen Paul, and like I must have mentioned my podcast about eight times. And I like I mentioned I was like available anywhere, and any time I like referenced an episode, I'm like episode six available now. Go listen to it. Um, never miss a beat. <laughs> we didn't advertise. Really without thinking now. Yeah, we didn't well, advertise our podcast enough. Maybe that's why we have twelve views on on SoundCloud. <laughs> I think, I think for the last one, I'm just up to 1,700 plus views or lessons overall. Do you get to see People analytics of like, uh, you know, uh, uh, on YouTube, you'll get like analytics of um, what point in your video is the most viewed? Do you yeah. get that for your podcast? Do you get, do you see like, do people listen to the whole thing or do they just kind of taper off after 20 minutes? They're just under 2K, actually. I don't know if Steve could probably answer that. He's going to answer that now. But um, I'm not too sure. Ninety percent listen all the way through. That's pretty fucking good. That's pretty good. Uh, good audience. The good, the good thing about this is it is a niche market, and um, I have actually uh, astounded that nobody had came up with it before. Up with just like having a podcast and having guests on within like Scottish powerlifting, like it's oh, yeah. to me like I know some other people have kind of tried to do it, but uh, the quality wasn't so good, and it needs to be a bit of a ball, a polished product for people to listen to. It. Yeah, which is probably why nobody listens to ours because our mics are shit. <laughs> Yours is <But>. shit. <laughs> Do I sound okay on this one? Oh. Sounds good to me. Sounds pretty clear. Yeah. yeah. This is the first time using this one, so I might use this for our next episode. So that's why I normally do them face to face because I've got like a blue yeti. It's Aaron's blue yeti actually, and I just like put that in the middle. It sounds pretty good. Just using some piece of shit uh, Chinese gaming headset that I got on eBay for ten quid. Oh no! Oh no! No no! Oh, no no no! You said good, so. And plus, uh, like, I've always had an idea for the podcast, but it's something I wanted to do for years. So I, I used to play music, so that was my whole thing between ages of like twelve to twenty. Like, I played drums in a rock bands. Uh, so <laughs> all the music that we have on the podcast is all music that I've wrote. Yeah, I thought it sounded like a. Like not self-recorded, you know, like a, a local band or something. Yeah, that was recorded about ten years ago, so it actually holds up pretty good. Nice. Sounds better than the stuff I recorded back then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you play music as well? Yeah, I used to play drums and guitar. Oh, nice. Well, I played drums. Drums were my instrument back, and in, like I was fanning about with all instruments for like the last however god so many years. Yeah. In Which the meantime. I got kicked out of singing class because I can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. How yeah. did you get kicked out of singing class? Were you just so, awfully was, pitching? Or? Uh, so my family is not very musically talented and I was not actually singing class, so I was in a theatre group. And as, oh, a, yeah. as, an, as an actress, I was pretty okay. 
that was back in high school. Uh, but our um, director, she decided that she wants to do a musical. The day that she said that, I literally just went pale and had terrible stomach cramps because I knew what was coming. So she brought a singing teacher. Uh, and so we had class like twice a week with him. <laughs> he just had to sing and like normally I would just like stand with other girls and just like kind of move my mouth and pretend that I'm singing but one time <laughs> I got carried away and I started singing and the guy just stopped being like someone is ruining this really badly <laughs> and I was like yup that's me and I swear my director like she really wanted me to still be on a musical so she was trying to give me like a non like first she was trying to teach me how to sing but I was just so then she just gave me a non-singing role but then she got sick so we actually never got to do that music so i could just imagine like after you hit that first bit of singing the person just came up to you and just be like would you please leave without yeah pretty first? much <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was pretty much <laughs> what happened, yeah. um so the best thing that came into probably the funniest thing that i remember coming into like, the fitness industry with having a music background is, have you guys ever heard of the qualification of exercise to music? Yep. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> Stephen as well, because he done the same HNC as me as well. Uh, like since I had played drums for years, I had, and I was actually just talking to my girlfriend about this today as well. Uh, like I could, like I got told, like everybody's like, oh, ETM's one of the hardest things to pass, blah blah blah. But since I had like a decade of like working with rhythm. I fucking smashed it, and I was so good. So this this big, bearded, hairy guy just hitting out great vines, <laughs> side steps, and playing music. Like fucking okay. change to this four, three, two, one. Let's go. Change it out. That's perfect. And uh, it was like Karen that ad was brilliant. Like I've never thought that music would help me. <laughs> Used uh, my music uh, background as as uh, like an analogy for some powerlifting training concepts in a seminar I did last year for GWC. It was like, um, so you know how there, you have this kind of hyper-specificity trend? Yes. Um, so people were like, oh, no, you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be doing anything apart from the competition lift because it's more specific. It's the most specific skill practice stuff. But like, if you're learning to play a musical instrument, so we both play drums, that's, we'll both understand what we're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. if you went through a formal drumming education, you didn't just get told to play songs. You'll actually do rudimentary you'll do your rudiments in order to build up your your fine motor skills in your hands and 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 all this stuff so you can get better main muscle connection with your fingers and be able to control each stick independently and 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 the both two two feet at the same time as well as the two hands like going in different rhythms at the same time and it's the same sort of thing that applies to your lifting like you need to do these other drills to learn skills that will apply to your competition lifts that's a good way for it as well i never thought about it that way i always kind of forget that i done music for years almost and then somebody gives me an ish and i'm like oh yeah and then <laughs> they're like oh, jesus like are you really and i'm like oh yeah sorry this is like my life for 10 years <laughs> that's actually i've got a weird thing there's a lot of people in powerlifting that have had a music past interesting because i remember i actually went to music college as well and i was in the same year as kelvin stephen who's powerlifter who trains up with in arbos with the big boys nick whitecross and whatnot and obviously Mike Morris as well. He was in music college. Uh, Martin Boa, same thing. Uh, quite a lot of us guys have been into music beforehand. Wonder why that is. It's quite a strange I wanted one. to be into music, but they ruined my career. It's because you're a fucking <laughs> terrible singer, apparently. They just, they just ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> <Threw> it. <laughs> Would have been the next Broadway star if they just let me. 
<laughs> so just can't like, imagine just like please like leave don't come back yeah. funny thing is the very similar thing happened to my mum like 40 years earlier oh Jesus yep so that just runs in the family it was not it was proper like it was proper like school band or something and she just got kicked out on auditions so very similar stuff just 40 years mm. earlier Oh, that's brilliant. That makes my heart a wee bit happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's not me that's that's... Vodka, by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. But that's brilliant, guys. We'll just set to wind this up. Just <laughs> let... Uh... Nope. Oh, I've got a wee bit of there. Just let the people know where they can find you. And if you've got anything to promote, here's your wee shot. Um, so our Instagram uh, for the business is elite underscore strength training. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Elite underscore strength training for the business account. And then we have our individual accounts, Lewis.est and Carolina.est. I actually like how it's very uniform because you've got like similar names and stuff and it's pretty cute. <laughs> and uh, maybe having talked about it at the start of the episode, I will bother my ass to finish your fucking website. Um, but we've got the domain. So when that finally goes live, it'll be estpowerlifting.com. Perfect. You've also got a podcast. Do yeah. which is available. <laughs> Where is it available, Chris? Uh, <laughs> it's available on Spotify. Yeah, Spotify <laughs> and SoundCloud. We are not on oh, SoundCloud. Yet. Uh, do, call, do we not qualify for anywhere you can get podcasts? Nah. Oh, you need to be on at least five different platforms. I'd say. I thought we were on iTunes. You on Apple? No, we are not on iTunes yet. For some reason, like I, I, I just can't get that going. But I will try again. Well, That's soon will be available anywhere that you can get the podcasts. Podcasts are available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and about two or three more that nobody else uses. <laughs> but it's available on it. And Stephen will be able to tell me which ones. But I'm getting for a outro, just listing them all. It's just fucking available everywhere. <laughs> but it's perfect, Lewis and Carolina. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us on that. It was good to talk uh, to you. For everybody listening, I would say definitely check them out. Uh, definitely learn one thing or two if you are interested in powerlifting as well. Thank you very much, guys. We out. Have you ever wondered what an Olympian experiences throughout their career? The highs of seeing your dream come to life and the lows of a career plagued with injury? Or have you ever wondered what it's like to be in the political limelight in today's polarised world? Hashtag, it's okay not to be okay. It's something you've heard a lot recently, but have you ever wondered what it's really like to overcome severe depression whilst flying high in your career? And how someone can take that experience in order to help others to do the same? Listen to some of Scotland's most unique individuals and their stories on Who's Next with Stephen and Paul, wherever you listen to podcasts. From the After 12 Podcast Network.